Tommy Timing is a proud member of the Stop screwing it up. Of the Comics Podcast Network. Bitch. Bitch? Bitch. Welcome to episode 199 of Comic Timing, a comics podcast devoted to the average comic book fan from the average comic book fan. Join in as Brett Casino, rotating panel of guests, and myself being led to see and discuss whatever comes to mind, time after time, here on Comic Timing. Why so si- Oh, wrong joke. My bad. Uh, we're talking about the joke right this episode. Here now, Comic Timing. Hey there, folks. My name's Ian Levenstein, and welcome to episode 199 of Comic Timing. We took the mothballs out. We're out of hibernation, and we return. And Brent Casino's been sitting here the entire time. I've been patiently waiting. <laughs> uh, patience is a virtue, man. That's that, that's what that one commission like five years ago from uh, from Michael Golden told us. That was not five yeah, years ago. It was it, it, fine. It was it's nine. It's a virtue. <laughs> Has it been, has it, it really it been like virtue. eight or nine years already since that patience is a virtue shit? That was like two thousand seven. Oh my god! And that's Rasuhu making me feel old. Hey, we're both the same age, so it's it's fine. We're good. Oh, I know. It's just, it, I just don't like how time flies. I don't either. I'm 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 supposed. I don't know, man. <laughs> just whatever. Patience is a virtue should be on the cover page of Doomsday Clock number twelve. That is true. That is true. And and, and the other person with patience on this call is somebody who has to put up with my shit way too often, Chris Nottis. And hey, it's via Skype for the first time. For the first time? Yeah. Yeah. On this on this show. It, it, okay, I yeah. don't remember what shows I've been on. I'm on so many podcasts with so many more <laughs> listeners than this show. <laughs> Listen, you've been on the best podcasts with all the listeners. So many listeners. I can't even count how many listeners. It's been amazing. Hey, I, I, I want to tweet from the official Engadget uh, Twitter account that you're on Comic Timing. I, I, I don't think that's going to happen, but you can probably get a tweet from at Chris Nautis. Whatever. I can't even get into that Twitter account. <laughs> But hey, hey, Devendra told me post an article, know. right? <laughs> post an article, bullshit. What, what, what did Devendra tell you? No, I was like, when am I going to be on the podcast? And he's like, what? You weren't on the last one? And I'm like, no, you bumped me. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I think I remember that too. Yeah. So uh, here I am. Yes, indeed. And we're here to talk about a movie that was definitely a movie. Somebody thought it was a film, and it might just be a movie, but we'll we'll get into that as as the show goes forward here. Uh, that uh, art house film that DC put out called the, called the Joker. I have thoughts and opinions. I'm pretty sure we all have thoughts and opinions, and uh, I think I'm just going to start this off with Raph because uh, he's sitting the farthest from me. I think. Uh, well, wait, you're all far. You're all you're all you're all on Skype, so it doesn't I'm, actually make any difference. Technically, I'm the closest because Chris is in Brooklyn, and I'm a little closer than that. Good point. Good point. Uh, anyway, Raph, thoughts and opinions on the Joker. Wow, you, you never go to me lived. first. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you never go to me first. Um, I know. Oh man, I have a lot of thoughts. Um, <laughs> like. The biggest thought, actually, I felt right after I walked out of AMC and like went down to the subway, I really felt trolled. Mm. So the thing is, the Joker, the Joker's a psychopath. Obviously, the Joker's a crazy person. The Joker's motives are ununderstandable because he doesn't have a normal brain. And yet, the entire point of the movie is to try to try to get us to understand the Joker and almost make him make his circumstances. Not he's not sympathetic because he's just out of his mind. But to make his circumstances um, sympathetic, so like the implication is that under the right circumstances, anyone could be the Joker, 
And I'm kind of I kind of feel trolled by that because not every person with mental illness is psychotic like that, right. and not everyone who goes through those situations reacts the same way. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel a little annoyed by that. And I it's a great it's like a it's like a beautiful movie. It's well shot. The it's well acted. But between that and the the fact that like I also feel like the Batman lore is just a veneer on that's like painted on top of the movie so right. that it could be called the Joker. Yeah. Is also what bothers me about it. Parts of it definitely so, feel like it was added after the fact too. I don't know whether or not there were reshoots on this movie, but it just feels like it was such a tack on. Right. Like it was just tacked on just yeah. oh, by the way, this is a Batman this is the Joker, Batman's arch nemesis. Mm-hmm. You've known him for like a hundred years now, and this is his story. Um, it just and but it didn't feel like his story. It felt like a story that a similar character was going through. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I, I it just didn't feel like like the Joker. Maybe and, and, maybe it was the smoker from all the cigarettes that he smoked in the movie. Yeah, I mean, and that's like, but that's like, and that's the thing. It's it was it was meant to be a seventies movie, and it everyone smoked in the seventies. And sure, I you you're making a period movie. That's fine, but you're also making a a. I don't know. It, 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 like it works on a lot of levels. It does. I'm not saying it doesn't work. It's just there are a couple. It, it just doesn't feel right to me. It just doesn't. Mm. Right. I, I would say one of the things that's strong about the Batman mythos is that you can just use it as a veneer to tell a great story, right? And use that veneer to, to do such things. I mean, Gotham by Gaslight uh, is a is a is a cool story mm-hmm. using the Batman veneer to tell a Victorian one about. Jack the Ripper. Right. You got Batman Red Rain telling a vampire story that's got a heavy Batman veneer, but it's there. You know, um, you got a lot of detective stories using using Batman veneers, and Gotham Central is a cop book that's using a Batman veneer to to make people buy it. So right. I think that's one of the the stronger things about the Batman mythos and the characters is that they are so malleable that you are able to. Um, shape them around the kind of story you want to tell. We'll see, and that brings up an interesting point. I might as well just ask you your thoughts and opinions on, on, on the movie, Brent, since that rolls well into that. I mean, I spent a whole 15 minutes on BK's Bullets and YouTube talking about it, how I can't really recommend it to people, mm-hmm. and I didn't even give it a score, <laughs> uh, which is the first time I've n- ever not done you just You just like gave that. it a shrug emoji. like that's. Uh, that's yeah, it, it was yeah. just kind of like, you know, I left the film and was like, huh. It, it made me really think a lot. It made me reflect a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think if if uh, I was talking with uh, Jimmy Fanis, my buddy at work, he was saying that you know if it made me think and reflect that much, then there's something something to be gained from that film. Uh, whether whether or not I thought it was entertaining is a different story. So um, I definitely think it's well crafted and masterfully made. There's definitely something to that. The performances are well done. I really like the directing, the way the shots are composed, really slow. The way the music was a slow build or hammered stuff in and uh, with the score and then the song choices as well were a little wacky, but I think that kind of goes with it. Um, and the Batman stuff, I really didn't have an issue with because I knew or I assumed going in, like, we'll never see this guy with Batman because mm-hmm. he's too old. Yeah. So I can forgive all the Batman stuff that felt tacked on with Thomas Wayne and other stuff that I was like, eh, I'll go with it. Because it's real or it's not, and it's up to you to decide what you want it to be. Right. Uh, Chris, over to you. Well, uh, about the Batman stuff, I was thinking, like, I had no problem with it. I thought 
it kind of worked well because it was very light. I actually liked the whole thing about where he thought maybe Thomas May- Wayne might be his father, Bruce might be his brother, except it wasn't. I felt like it fell flat ultimately at the end because he doesn't really connect with any of them. Right. Like he does that weird thing where he's just like scrunching up Bruce's face instead of, I feel like in a more traditional, I, I know people will say this isn't supposed to be a traditional narrative, but I feel like in a more traditional narrative, they would have had the two bonding on some level, mm-hmm. which actually would have made it even more tragic, say when the Waynes actually die. Right. But Raph, you said, uh, I think on Facebook about how you feel like Todd Phillips really hates society. Yeah. And that kind of ties into something I've been thinking about watching this. So when I, I saw it with Ian and his girlfriend, and uh, I kind of got angry watching it because, like, when you watch a movie, you should be fully immersed in the world you're seeing. And external concerns really shouldn't be, like, leaking their way in. But while watching The Joker, I became very acutely aware of how many things that happened in the movie were the result of arthurial intent. Mm. Like, you know, uh, Ian, you know, knows I I mentioned some of this, but I'll explain it to you guys what really stuck out at me was like, so you have the scene at the beginning, he's got the sign, he's dressed as a clown, he's waving the sign around, and then the kids steal the sign, and he runs after them. And then he finally catches up to them, and they beat the crap out of him. And there's absolutely no reason for them to do that, or even to put as much effort as they did into doing it. Mm -hmm. Like, I could see kids being an asshole, stealing the sign, but they would have ditched it after a block. But this scenario, they're like, no, they're so intent on making him miserable. They're just going to run for blocks and blocks. Oh, by the way, he should not be a comedian. He should be a goddamn track star. He ran <laughs> so fast in this movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Every scene where he ran, I was like, "How? why is this the career he's chosen? Clearly, he would do really well, like, in sports. But, yeah, so, like, the kids steal the sign. You know, it gets broken. He gets his ass kicked and then nobody believes him that the sign was stolen because it it makes no sense and then like you combine that and like with the scene where he's on the bus and the kid's staring at him and all of us who have taken public transportation know that scenario so well like you're just sitting there minding your own business and some child is just staring at you and what do all of us do we we make faces at them you know We, we try to break the tension and but in the movie the mom's like leave my kid alone literally no parent would ever do that. They would be like, Oh, why is my kid laughing? Oh, the person's making faces carry mm-hmm. on. Yeah. You know, like parents. Can oh, be good. Defensive. You're distracting my child. Yeah. Yeah. Like the guy, like, you know, uh, Arthur was in no position to do anything. The kid, like the hostility that came for her was not because of any internal logic. It was just Todd Phillips wanted to create this world where everyone was unnecessarily cruel to Arthur. Mm-hmm. Well, like, it bothered me. I was just like this, this, I can't believe this transition because I know it's just, it's so intentional of the director. I, I think that's okay though. Isn't that what filmmaking is supposed to be? You should like someone think telling about you a story, them. but you think about it when you're watching star Wars or something like that. Yeah. Like, oh, well, that's bullshit. Well, well no, so see, why can't, why can't this be <laughs> taking place in a city that doesn't exist? And why can't the things that happen to him be intentfully hurtful or hateful to show you, um, the extremes of what can happen when a person is pushed this way or right. maybe perhaps even thinks he's being pushed. Well, here's the, here's the thing, though, Brent, is that uh, that's all well and good. And, and, I mean, that's happened in tons of movies and it's worked well. I know, in, but in uh, you guys did the same thing, not you guys specifically, but like 
the podcast did the same thing when we were watching like Man of Steel or any right. other thing where right. it was like this wouldn't happen, this wouldn't happen, this wouldn't happen, this wouldn't happen. Well, that's I don't the story think they wanted to tell. What I said. Yeah. Uh, hold on. That's the yeah. story they wanted to tell, and it did happen to Arthur in their story. Right. And I think that's okay. That's it is you're right, it is authorial intent. I don't think it makes it a bad movie. But it, I didn't say it made it bad. I said it became obvious. Like you you mentioned Star Wars and you watch Star Wars. I don't I'm not sitting there going, Man, Rian Johnson made some good choices. No, I'm like Man, Leia's flying through the air. That's really cool. Or Leia's flying through the air. That's really stupid. But you shouldn't be thinking Rian Johnson made a bad choice. Carrie Fisher made a bad choice. Like that's not something you should be doing because you should, for bad or good, you should be immersed in the story. When I watched Justice League, which I think is a completely meh movie, I wasn't sitting there going, man, Zack Snyder's such a fucking asshole. Like, no, I was just like, uh, this movie's kind of bleh. Maybe you know? Ian did yeah. in the back of his mind. Hey. I, I get what you're saying. Like for me, I tried to stay away from a lot of the stuff from the movie. It was very hard to do mm-hmm. with all the stuff about all this, you know, blank security concerns or whatever bullshit that people wanted to spout. But um, whether it was real or not, nothing did happen of note the opening weekend. Let's no. put that in the history books. Um, but, I, I mean, I was watching the same scenes going, okay, why is he doing this? Why is he doing this? Like yeah. I was thinking about the filmmaker's choices in the very beginning of this movie, but... 15 minutes in, and I was kind of like, oh, man, am I going to do this the whole film? I'm right there with you, Chris. But 15 minutes in, I forgot about all that shit. You know, yeah. understood the character and kind of, you know, took myself out of it. Yeah. Well, and and that's and that's the thing, though. Like, to, for a, ex, an excellent movie, for a movie that, uh, you know, to work on all cylinders, to work on all levels, is that that idea shouldn't even come into play at all. And I... We're going to bring up this up at some point, so I might as well at least bring it up here to start off my initial thoughts, is that uh, King of Comedy, a movie that has a lot in common with this movie, I didn't run into that once watching that, thinking to myself, man, why did Scorsese make him do that? Or man, why did, Scor- you know, why did Scorsese make the decision to make De Niro's character so crazy or, or you know, hate the world as much as he did? Like... It was believable insanity for that character and the things that happened to him and throughout throughout the uh, the picture. Here, it just felt heavy handed and forced, and I think that yeah, it wasn't subtle at all. Well, I mean, it was exactly. a sledgehammer. Yeah. But how many articles did you read or scroll by, and not even try and read that said before this film came out that you saw it that said, "Oh, Todd Phillips is trying to do this." Or you want to? You want to? I read zero. Yeah, I read absolutely zero. I avoided everything. Yeah. No, I was but like, you saw the headlines. Brent, I'm still saying there's still like something right, yeah, in your but head. I right past them. Yeah, Brent. Brent. I, 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 I'm yeah. gonna be. I'm gonna be entirely honest with you, man. I. I this for this movie in particular because I. I know what happened with Man of Steel and I know what happened with Justice League. For this movie in particular, I did my goddamn best not to read anything past, like, the awards that it won at film festivals. I did my goddamn best to make sure that I, my opinion was not skewed either way until I saw the, the thing. And then I sat I, down and saw it. Yeah. I really wanted to see the movie. Like, I didn't give a shit about it for the most part until maybe two or three weeks ago. And then it was like, hey, it won the, was it the Venice Film Festival or Cannes? Yeah. The, yeah, it won the, the Lion, I don't yeah, know. The Golden Lion, I think. Yeah, I was like, that's weird. And then looking at it, it was kind of like, oh, they shot this in New York. Now I kind of want to see it just for the visuals, which we can talk about in a bit, but it is mm-hmm. a 
beautiful movie, even oh, yeah. if there's slight little weird things. Yeah, I didn't read that many of the, or I don't think I read any. It was just that, you know, and I, I started to look forward to the film. So, like, just say that, Brent. I was looking forward to it. I was like, uh, this movie is probably problematic as shit, but at least I'll, like, enjoy the performance. Right. I'll enjoy the visuals. And I did. It's just the way, like, it didn't have a message. Like, we can, we're going to probably argue about this like crazy. Oh, yeah. It's just like, you mentioned the king of comedy, and the king of the comedy was very, like, everybody's motivations were very clear, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, this guy wants to be a star. Sandra Bernhardt's character is just obsessed with the comedian. Like, you know, like you at least know what people want here. I'm like, Arthur wants to be famous, but I don't know what the movie wants to do with that. Yeah. But it is the problem I have with the way it's structured that like society is cruel to him. And that makes him crazy was that I feel like the society, it wasn't directed. Uh, again, I go back to those kids with that random act of violence. Those kids, I guarantee you, at the end of the movie, were joining in the rioting, putting on clown masks and doing all that stuff. And, you know, I like maybe that would happen in real life. But as a movie, it kind of was just very directionless. I feel like it would have been better served if the forces that were acting against them were like coming from one direction, like the government is pushing him down Mm -hmm. or the rich are pushing him down here. It was just, everyone is pushing him down because everyone is a fucking asshole. And, or even a comedic rival, like, or something like that, you know, somebody, somebody getting in his way, uh, you know, as part of his career or something would have made, we did get that a little, but again, it's one of many, right? Like it's, it's not just that it's his, it's his mom being crazy and lying to him. Yeah. It's Thomas Wayne, not accepting him. It's his social worker, you know, not really caring about him and then leaving anyway. Yeah. It's like it's there's every literally the entire city is working against him until it doesn't work against him and then joins him to fight against the rich people who are also against him and everyone else. But not really. But just Thomas Wayne. Yeah. And so it's like it was it was really all over the place. And like there were 97 different messages, like only two or three of them really got went came through. If at best, and the worst part of all of it, Raph, is that this isn't a Jared Leto scenario for me. Like this isn't—I I didn't leave this thinking, "God, that Joker was terrible." I no, jo- Joaquin Phoenix was amazing. He, he was really good. He was absolutely I, I liked amazing. Him a lot. Yeah, uh, you know, he he enveloped himself in the role and he created this character that was awkward and. You believed his insanity, and the the cry laugh was was easily the strongest part of the entire performance because you never quite knew which one he was doing. Um, and He's I, also a guy who doesn't actually know what's funny. Yes. Which I feel like the movie could have really, really dug in on that. Like yeah. people keep telling, saying he's not funny, and we get that hint, but we never really see it mm-hmm. for most of the movie. Yeah. Like at least with, I like what the, what the thing with the King of, with King of Comedy was that it has that tension where you're like, is, is, uh, what's his name? Pupkin? Yeah. Uh, like, R- Rupert Pupkin. Yeah. Rupert Pupkin. Is he funny or isn't he? You don't find out until you have that big thing at the end where he gives the stand up routine and mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, this is, this is okay. This is actually passable yeah. with, with, uh, Arthur. It's like, you don't really see like, cause they cover up the performance, the one that's a failure. And like later on you see clips of it and you're like, Oh, he did terrible. Like, it's just, you don't, there's no buildup. There's no tension in it. It's, it's all, that part is all over the place. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I really t- it's weird how sometimes I feel like we see two completely different movies. Cause I kind of took the movie like as we're watching it, like, 
obviously, or I don't know if it's obvious, but to me, it was all from Arthur's point of view. Mm-hmm. And like, that was the direct director's intent was like, here, meet Arthur. We're gonna spend every minute of this film with him practically, you know, and everything here in this film is viewed through his lens. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, he's going insane to begin with because the film, you know, the film is about Joker, I guess, and that he's supposed to go insane by the end. Like, that's the ratcheting tension. It's like Titanic. You know the iceberg's coming. You just don't know how big it is or when it's going to hit kind of thing. And so all the different factors of his life, whether it was the stupid mean mom on the bus um, that told her him to leave his kid alone. You know, I've had bad days and been dicks to other people uh, around my kids for sure. So I, I don't write that off as like, oh, that wasn't unrealistic. I'm been in a bad mood around my kids before and just took it out on someone else. Um, you know, the comedy stuff, him not knowing is funny, the the clowns being mean, like the government society cutting back on his um, meds and his counseling and all that stuff. Like all that, I mean, I don't know. I don't have um, a psychologist to tell me that that's true or not, but uh, leads me to believe that it could. it's probably a variety of things that help someone encounter these mental problems i don't really know that if there's one thing on one day that can drive a person insane Mm -hmm. i mean there's things that can cause trauma i believe well Um, first off let's talk about yeah i don't i don't think it's unreasonable to say that there was a variety of factors that led him uh led this character to be this way I i think it's true and it's not all in one day or all in one week i mean you think about his whole life and what we discover uh in the film is like with the radiator stuff, like there's trauma behind there that's never been treated. Um, you know, so it's, it's a lot of stuff that's been piled on and, and stuff like that. So I I don't think it's unreasonable to say that, um, the variety of factors that were in his life, that that was the whole point of the story is here's a guy who's had untreated trauma that we, he didn't know about even. And then his mother was deceiving him or was she, and he doesn't know what to think. And all these things are falling apart around his life. So what does he do? He lashes out. And really, it drives him to suicide at the end. Like, that's really what the ending should have been. But he got so angry on television that he changed his mind. And that's where we, we end up at the end of the film. There's also there's also parts of it uh, that uh, if we hadn't seen, you know, the Wayne, the Wayne family murdered in, in the, in the uh, alley for the 197th time... Um, you could have easily said that the last like quarter of the movie could have easily been a hallucination in his head, and and that and that him in the uh, you know in the Moody bin in, in Arkham at the end is just where he's been for for a while, you know. Like I feel like the whole movie could have been a delusion. Like I was expecting that. Like mm-hmm. oh, are we gonna find out that when the kids beat him up in the alley, he got into a coma or something like that? Because I I'm sorry if I wanted to cut you off earlier but but it's like saying i don't think he went insane like i don't that's not really how it works the thing is he, uh, like his mom how do we know how it works just, though we're not insane we have mental illness we have mental illness it's not something that just happens like it, I, I don't i that's what i'm saying though is like i don't i'm not diagnosed I but don't i don't think, think it's insane. i don't yeah. think it's for us to say that he was or wasn't insane he believed something was up with him and he had people telling him you have bad thoughts People telling him basically you're crazy. Yeah, he's on medication, so we knew he was already diagnosed. He was already sick. He probably inherited something from his mom. So why don't you think he's insane? 
because I like again, it doesn't. You don't have to be insane. Like he's very. I don't know, like how. Like I, it's totally one of my point is. I'm thinking of this as a mental illness thing. As someone with a mental illness, I like think about it. I'm just like. I hate, like, I don't want to say it's a magical switch. You right, like, but what I, what you would say to me if I put mental illnesses in one jar is you would say they're not all the same and not everybody's is the same, right? So it's probably the same thing to say, like, you can't, we know this all is a story in fiction, right? This is just a story that's trying to tell a point and that the point is for everybody to determine on their own, basically, right? But there is a general thing they were probably trying to say, either about Joker or about society, but... To say whether he was insane or not, I don't know that, like, the film laid bare all the clues that, yeah, he's probably insane or probably got so, mental illnesses. The thing but is, but your definition of insane is not, I mean, we're not trained psychologists or psychiatrists to be able to discern that based on two hours of a film. Yeah, I, well, I you're the one who said he was insane. I'm just saying, like, it's, oh, okay. I don't really want to look at it that way. Yeah. He's got yeah. issues, he's got problems, whatever you want to do. Like, he's the edge of the spectrum at the end of that movie. He's yeah. somebody you don't want out there in the wild. Go ahead, yeah, Ryan. that's it. Yeah. Well, go ahead, What's Ryan. up, Raph? I was going to say, I mean, like, so there's like, he's not, I don't think he's mentally ill, but he's definitely psychotic. And those are two different things. Like, it's not just like, like, there are very, like, there are, like, he is, he's very, he feels very much like every mass shooter mm-hmm. that we've had in the last couple of years. Yeah. Where, like, the rage builds up against society and there's a sense of like, I, I try like he even, there are things that he says that I've heard that I've heard mass shooters say, I, you know, why is the world so mean? Why is everyone so mean to me? I don't get it. I, I try to be nice. I try to do good things. And then, and, and and this is, and this is what happens to me. And then they lash out. And that's the thing. The, and that's the thing that people say when, when these mass shootings happen, because I have, I have lived I lived with a mentally ill person for 30 years and it doesn't feel the same to me mm-hmm. and that's my experience yeah which you know whatever paranoid schizophrenia par- paranoid schizophrenics aren't necessarily violent my dad was but again I wouldn't compare it to this because it's not it's I don't feel like it's the same and his mother so, his mother's probably closer to you know I mean because yeah she definitely has a, a mental condition. she was delusional yes. and narcissistic according yes. to the diagnosis that that was on the papers right. so that's a little bit that's a little bit more like paranoid schizophrenia where like she, right. she literally lives in a different reality than 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 his and he she doesn't see that's the thing he was she, okay so he made up Zazie beats. But he was still experiencing reality on some level mm-hmm. that was similar to what we would experience reality. Right. I think it wasn't until the Zazzy Beats thing that maybe that we that I started thinking, oh, oh, they're gonna start playing with what we see is what we see real and what we see not real. And then they didn't. They stopped playing with it because yeah. things that happen are real. He kills the he kills the Wall Street guys. He um he 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 avoids the cops. He kills that guy that that set him up that get to get him fired. Those things are real. There's no unreliable narrator. Right. But for those yeah. ten to fifteen, for that one scene where we where they reveal it, there's an unreliable narrator, and that doesn't feel like it's really accurate. It it, it, it feels thrown in. It feels thrown so, in more yeah. than anything else. So let's let's talk. Let's focus on this a little bit because yeah. Zazie Beach shows up. Um, I forget her character's name. They didn't make it very clear if they did say it more than once. Um, 
she has a she's a character who lives on the same hallway has a daughter we meet her in the elevator Sophie Dumond Sophie Dumond yeah okay weird so, suicide thing shooting she shoots herself, herself in the head, head. yeah she does the, the Kim Pine thing so yeah, that we can we can take as real but once she shows up he invites her to the comedy thing and, and I don't remember if that was like a different this was a week ago I don't remember if that was like a different point in the movie that he invites her. So I don't know whether to take that as real. But once they're in the comedy thing and like they start playing with the sound and the lights and stuff and she's just like all of a sudden there. Uh, I was kind of like, is she there or is she not there? She, she never got And then invited. they start having the, the casual walk down the street where yeah. they're like romancing like they're on an episode of Friends or whatever. And I'm like, OK, she's definitely kind of not there. If she yeah. is there, they're really leaving a lot out. The only so, uh, scene with her that's real is the scene in the elevator because when he shows up in her apartment, she's like, "You're you're Arthur, right? You live down the hall," which means they've never had a conversation. Yeah, right. So that is made clear in the movie, but I don't think if they, I think the clues were there, the way the stuff was angled and shot, and like they were playing with reality because they kind of made you feel like he was failing at the same time, and then. They made you feel like he felt he was succeeding when they were laughing at him at the end of that comedy scene. So that's where I was kind of like, "This is too good to be true," almost. Mm-hmm. Which is which is which is well and good. Um, I just I just feel like they they dropped it too soon after the reveal. You know that that there were no other moments in the in the movie that you can significantly point to unless you read it the way that, you know, I'm saying like, hey, what if the last quarter of it is entirely false? But that's that's entirely up to, you know, like fan theories and shit like that. Like the movie itself does not actually play with it past the Zazzy reveal. And if he's losing it, he's losing it. You know, you should be seeing more of that. It should be driven home a bit more rather than just yeah. be thrown at it. They definitely could have played with it more. I'm with you there. Like yeah. they could have had different flashbacks they could have had him killing the dwarf man they were uh, relying on letting him go and that kind of thing but they were playing with the tension of like you going like is he gonna is he gonna kill this guy i'll be honest i wanted to find out he never even killed his mother like like i I want i wanted him to think that he killed his mother and then have her just show back up at the apartment yeah you wanted it to kind of i i was thinking that you know what movie did the the whole what's real what's not oh it's all a lie thing really well is american psycho yeah yeah you know where it's like he kills these people and then at the end it's like it never happened and even he doesn't know what's real or not like did mm-hmm. he kill them and it's been covered up yeah. or did he just imagine the whole thing you never find out because you don't see the people again right <laughs> yeah yeah, and, and and the same could be said. I mean, again, not to bring it back to King of Comedy again, but to bring it back to that, you know, the whole ending of that movie is is up to interpretation as to whether or not it, it, it really happened or not. You know, Rupert Pupkin becoming a big star and what have you, um, you know, that could easily be in his head just like everything else was about him, you know, performing on the, uh, on the show, on Jerry Lewis's show, you know? Like, it's... It's it's left that way on purpose. In this, you know, at the end with all the screens and what have you, that's a lot more similar. In fact, it's almost like verbatim to network. Uh, they're doing a send up to there of all the uh, news reports and everything, uh, and how the Joker becomes a name. But it's 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 presented very differently uh, and more concrete. I feel like, and I, it just muddles the damn message message of the whole thing. 
really, that's my main problem with this whole fucking movie is that there's no clear narrative. Doesn't have a soul to it because it's just borrowing pieces of other movies. Yes, exactly. Yeah, because I, I like Quentin Tarantino does that stuff. He does the pastiche stuff, but I still feel like there's a stronger through line in his films. Also, as he gets older, his films are becoming, I think, more unique. Yeah. This like I I liked the homages like I was like, yeah, network. That's really cool. King of comedy. That's that's cool. Taxi driver. I haven't seen taxi driver, but OK, cool. Fine. There's no unique voice to it. He's just borrowing pieces of other people's ideas, which, I mean, again, if you can enjoy it, but that's probably why we've all walked out being like, huh. Yeah. But that, like, I mean, that's a, that's a fair criticism, but I would argue there's not that many unique movies today, which is a reality of the, of the movie system well, that no one goes to see unique movies. You got something like Jordan Peele and uh, Get Out, you know, being unique and very successful, and he had us the second movie, which is I don't I haven't seen it, but I'm assuming it was as unique as Get Out. At least it was unique and it did well. It did do well. So, so and let look at comics today. Like all of the stuff that they read for their inspiration and stuff, all that stuff is not unique per se. It's not a. It's all based on something. It all came from somewhere or was influenced by other things. Oh yeah. To be- you you want to blow up Tom King as a unique writer? All his stuff <laughs> is pulling from other stuff. And it's it's not that good either. So, uh, you know, I guess I did put in a dig on Tom King there just for the hell of it. But like, I don't think there's um, I don't think there are unique comic book storytelling writers anymore. Or if they are, they are hard to find in mainstream books. I I would I would point directly to Jonathan Hickman as as proof that 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 is 100 percent not true. Uh, and and saga. guys, yeah, saga. Saga. Oh, I, I said mainstream, and yes, Heikman is doing something very weird. I would special. say saga yeah. is mainstream at this point. Yeah. I'm everywhere. talking like big two, though, but like the things people are making movies of right now. Images, big three, dude. Saga. I mean, yeah, come yeah. on, man. You, 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 More you, people saga, know saga. saga than most of the books we yeah. we read these days. Everything Brubaker's putting out, everything that that Fraction's putting out. There are there are tons and tons and tons of creators out there who are still doing creative and innovative things. Uh, I will agree with it's you. Not from Marvel, or DC. but that's not the exactly. thing. That's not the thing that's selling though. When you look at the charts, yeah, Raina Telgemeier is the one who's selling. You're, that that's an excellent point. And and mind you, Saga sells pretty damn well on its own. Nothing but, is completely original at this. Yeah, point. yeah. that's yes. not what I was saying. Is yeah. like there's a difference between you watch something and you're like. Okay, that's cool, but what if? This is not a what if. I'm this just surprised is how you what? guys go into every film and you expect like the most unique experience ever. And I'm like, hey, I'm not expecting any of Brent, that. Brent, and you dude, guys fucking shit on everything. That's not we true at all. We didn't shit on Captain Marvel. You shit on Captain Marvel, Brent. <laughs> I can shit on a good film. I, hold I, on. I, I ejaculated all over Endgame, me, okay? Yeah. Like, and, all over every time I went to see it. And, all seven times I've seen it in and, theaters. And, right? also, and also, if, if Brent, if you would actually let me speak for a minute here rather than yell at me, I, I was going to bring up Hustlers as a movie. Yes, it's not a freaking superhero movie, but it's very much based on movies uh, from the past, and it's 100% a send-up to... Uh, Scorsese's old stuff, and yet it's a really enjoyable, entertaining movie all the way through, and one of my favorite movies of the year. But it's not original because it's not based on you know it's definitely a pastiche to movies that have come before, but it creates a a original narrative, and that's what matters. 
Are it's you also based creating, on a true story. Yeah, and it's based on a true story. Yes, that's I know. True. I saw it. I didn't think it was that great, but okay. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Th- this, this just in, we have different opinions on movies, Brent. So yeah, my favorite movie this year was, might even be uh, Ready or Not. <laughs> you know? Yeah, Ready or Not was pretty damn good, too. And that is actually a pretty uh, uh, inventive, creative movie based on freaking hide-and-seek. So (laughs) I got to go out to the movies more. My, my favorite movies are like a five-year-old's favorite movies. It's Endgame and it's Godzilla. Are you kidding me? I got to go out to the movies more, man. Yeah. You put all of you need to see us. I mean, it's out on Blu-ray digital by now. It is. I saw it at Target the other day, so I'm going to, I'm going to rent it. Yeah. And frankly, like I'm not hostile about this shit. Like, I mean, I'm, I 100% wanted to enjoy this movie and I went into it wanting to and there's actually bits of it that I did really enjoy like I'm continuing to say it's shot beautifully Joaquin Phoenix's performance is excellent Mark Marin, I really wish he had more to do in this and I feel like he would have been a much better cast perhaps as uh, hell even the psychiatrist or or maybe even the host of the show but they had to throw De Niro in there to continue now, their pastiche. That I liked. I thought that was actually kind of funny to have De Niro like yeah. to flip things around it's just like, they probably could have done more with it yeah because in King of Comedy, it's that Jerry Lewis is almost hostile because this guy just won't leave him alone. Right. And here in Joker, he's not even hostile. Well, he's hostile, but in a different way. He's hostile in like, haha, I'm going to make fun of this dude. Yeah. Which can I like little little side note here. Something that it's not this film in particular. A lot of movies have been doing this where, you know, you look at old movies and a lot of their plots don't work today mm-hmm. because of things like cell phones yeah you know like sleepless in seattle wouldn't be a problem if they had cell phones <laughs> now we've reached this point where writers don't know how to write a plot without things like cell phones so they end up sneaking in like plot points that would be more tradition more 2019 than 1979 like mostly i'm thinking about the fact that uh, arthur gives this performance in the in the comedy club and someone recorded it and somehow this clip made it all the way around that it ended up with with Robert De Niro. Mm-hmm. That is that is a total 2019 plot point. You know, that's a cell phone plot point. That's yeah. nobody's just walking around with cameras. Yeah, that's true. And even even if the even if the comedy club had had recorded it, uh, it's usually not their property when when they record you like that. Uh, at least from what from, from what I know about. Uh, about friends of mine who have done stand up, it's usually just recorded for the sake of that of that individual, or they'll or they'll play it inside the club itself. Like they're not going to distribute it to other places like that. Yeah, it but this is a cruel viral. society. Yeah. <laughs> but this is a cruel society that hates Arthur Fleck, so it has to end up in the hands of his idol. Yeah. So that's that's the reason why he got it. Point. Because the plot needed him to get it. Yeah. That's you're you're not wrong. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like that's the thing. See that. Stuff like that, where it's a little like again, it shouldn't have happened, but it happened because it has to happen. Is kind of like you could have they could. I mean, it could have been like a thing where like some they could even something simple as simple as oh, I got, I got, I'm not giving this to him. I got to send this to, I got to send this out there, and it would have been fine because then it would have been like oh, this guy's a dickhead. The guy recording is a dickhead who decided to ruin Arthur's life by sending it to the guy he admires the most. Arthur got Tosh point owed, like seriously. Yeah. But, like, there's no, like, connection. It's just assumed. And, like, to leave me to assume to it makes me think about it. Yeah. If you're going to make me think about it, I'm going to dissect it. If I'm going to dissect it, the movie's ruined. 
because I'll, I'm not thinking about the moment. I'm thinking about how the moment got right. made and why did why this why is this choice being made? What's happening? And then it's like why what where am I, why am I not sitting here absorbing the movie? Right. Why am I dissecting why you made that decision? That's the problem. It's like all these all these this, all these really not subtle choices make you go. It, it hits you in the head like a sledgehammer, mm-hmm. and then you get and then you're like it rocks you, yeah, fi- figuratively, not literally, and you're like, oh. I got hit in the head. What? What? What is this? <laughs> yeah. It's the same problem I have with actually. You know what? To, to roll it back to Snyder, it's the same problem I had with Snyder because Snyder, Snyder's not very subtle at all either. Like there, I mean, like the mess, the like there. There's one scene in Superman Returns where like where like you get a messianic feel from Brandon Routh Superman. There are like fifty in Man of Steel, and I, it's like I get it. I get it. He's a Christ metaphor. I get it. Yeah. Enough. So like anyway, I'm not gonna do that anymore. Well, I I don't hate I Man of Steel. It's fine. I don't care. Well, it's fine. And- <laughs> you keep telling yourself that. I don't want to be angry anymore, man. I'm like, between I- you and your therapist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and there's parts of this movie too. Like I mean, uh, bringing back to to something that Chris said in her, in her initial remarks. Like I actually really do like the bit that uh, you know he finds out from his mother that he's uh, that he's Thomas Wayne's kid, and then you know gets the information from from Thomas Wayne and from the report that like no that's not the case you're just a guy you know you're just this kid that was adopted by a woman with uh, with mental issues like i feel like we still don't really know the answer to that because of course the mom counters were like no no he had the record changed Mm -hmm. it's never resolved that's actually one of the things i liked in the movie yeah is that he will never get answers right and 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 there's just something that's that's a reason to be pissed off at the world that's true that's true that's a thing that actually does harm people's mental health is like knowing like you know, I've I've seen people say like, no, you have to realize you're never going to get answers. But the thing is that there's nothing like it's not that's knowing that is not going to stop you from looking for them right. and being mad that you can't get them. And he does, and he does find the uh, the note, uh, you know, with the uh, you know, I, I I always loved your smile from uh, from from Thomas. So yeah, on the back of the photo, and then yeah. he crumples yeah. up the photo. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who the hell knows? I mean. But, I, you know, we're never going to get answers, and frankly, I'm okay with that, because unless they suddenly decide that this movie made enough moolah, uh, that they're going to try to make— It's made a lot. The next we're not going to get answers this. because Thomas Wade is dead. Well, yeah, I know. That's what that's that's one of the good things about the movie. I was like, that's that's a good choice. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, lest Brent think I completely hated this movie, there were some <laughs> good choices that it did make, and oh, that yeah. was one of the ones I was like, that I liked. But that's also goes into why I think the movie needed more direction. Like it needed not a villain, like, because when you talk about uh, conflict in movies, it's like there's man versus man, you know, man versus himself, man versus nature, man. Ver- this is a man versus society. But it's just that, like we said, society was just kind of nebulous and not clearly defined. Like, what was his problem in this? You know, like Kafka. Uh, you know, the the trial, you know, his his problem is the government that they're putting him on trial and he doesn't know for what. Like at least that's specific. Here it's again, it's because of the unreliable narrator. He's like, everyone hates me, except yeah. the coworker who gave me the gun. For some reason, <laughs> I like him until I don't. Yeah. And, and and shot selection in the movie too is great too. You know, I mean like the the scenes on the trains are are all excellent. Uh, the, the the chase scene where he where he's running onto the train and what have you, that was that was really well done. Um the climax of the movie, uh, I would I would say is great, except for the fact that I didn't get to see it. That was one of the worst movie going experiences that I've oh, had in recent dude. memory. 
Was what? that so the climax or the co- it was the it was during the cop scene? I feel like the, the climax co- the was scene. the riot. Yeah, yeah, oh, it's second to last climax. Then okay, yeah, it's a second <laughs> almost the climax. <laughs> well, um, now you're making it sound dirty. Yeah, he's gonna explain just now. So, I just, but I just want to say, Ian, you made it sound very dirty just now. Giggity giggity goo. Yeah, so we're 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 sitting there watching the movie. And these two guys come in. Mind you, we're at, we're at an AMC Prime showing, like the best fucking seats you can get at an AMC movie uh, with the reclining seats and like the amazing sound system and the giant screen and what have you. Uh, one step away from IMAX. And we're sitting there watching it and we get to this to the scene uh, with the uh, with the stabbing and what have you. And these two guys walk into our theater and turn on their the flashlight on their phone and walk into our row and demand that the two people sitting next to us get up from the seats that they've been in for the last two hours because they claim the seats are theirs. And they're doing this while they're standing directly in front of us, and we're yelling, get the fuck out of the way! Get the fuck out of the way! We're two hours in, get the fuck out of the way! And they won't listen to us, or them, until they take out their phones and are told, you're in the wrong fucking theater. They thought, ah! it, they thought, it, was in the be- they thought it was the beginning of the goddamn movie. Dumbasses. <laughs> And and well, you know they they changed the signs to the theater to like the next showing, in the like towards the end of the movie, those little digital signs. Yeah, yeah. they don't say like seven forty five showing until the movie ends. Right, they say seven forty five until like eight thirty, and they change to the. I don't know, 950. The, the digital sign outside our theater was broken, but uh, it, it still said theater 18, and their ticket clearly said theater 19. So, <laughs> like, two and two is four there, man. And yeah, we missed that entire scene because of these assholes on the. Break. What was the scene uh, in the cop car? It's when the cops were chasing him through the train, and then uh, that before the, he got the, to the theater. Yeah, the cop. Yeah, the cops end up getting gang piled. Oh, uh, okay. You know. Yeah, one of the, up, yeah. One of yeah. one of what looked like one of the one of the most artistic, you know, well done scenes in the movie. It was very well see. done. I would be more pissed because there was very little Joker in this movie, and that was one of the three. One of the yeah. two or three scenes. You're yeah. right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, on the bright oh. side, AMC did make it right and give us uh, and give us comp tickets uh, to to be used at another showing for whatever. Uh, I had a terrible experience for mine too. Oh really? I had so I got into the theater like a little bit after the first trailer started, and I didn't know who I was sitting next to. There was a seat between me and a guy, mm-hmm. and uh, one the guy on my on my right had headphones on. So I was like, I wonder why you have headphones on during the trailers. <laughs> then I realized because the guy on my left is a loud talker. Uh-oh. And he talked to himself throughout the whole movie. Shit. Like, oh, shit, did you see that? Oh, no. Oh, my God, what did you... Oh, he killed him! What? He killed him! Or, like, what are you doing? Oh, man, that's the Joker! Like, every time something happened, and I was just, like... I just had my arms crossed, and I, <laughs> he was elbowing me and trying to take... And took the entire armrest, and I'm just like, you fuck... And it was like a, it was like an 18-year-old kid who didn't have class that day or whatever, because he had his back... <laughs> with him or maybe came after class and i'm just like dude do you know how to function with other people around in a movie theater apparently Holy not shit. apparently not <laughs> like he talked through every major scene and i'm just uh... it's just everything in my power to just focus on what was in front of me so maybe i maybe i gotta see the movie again and like because like i was just like so angry uh, you sound anti-backpack, Graf. What's wrong with a backpack? I have a backpack. No, but like he—he he looked really young. Like he looked really young. Like I almost asked him for his high school ID to see if he's cutting school or not. <laughs> like it, he was really—he looked like a kid, and I was like, "What the fuck, man?" I mean, maybe maybe he did what I did with uh, with the South Park movie and got tickets to see Patch Adams, and then went to see South Park. 
I mean, who you know, who, who knows? Like, that's, that's true. Yeah. But, like, he was the only person, like, that loud throughout the whole movie. Yeah. And it's, like, it's it's just, like, I know there are people that do it to be, like, funny. Like, during a movie when there's, like, a funny moment and someone says something, like, like really dry or something. Mm-hmm. But, like, every single, oh, my God, did you stop? And, like, it's, like, are you trying to start a conversation with me in the movie? <laughs> are you Do you need friends? Is this, is this why you're talking? You, I'm not going to answer you. You know that. I don't know you. I don't want to talk to you. I'm here to watch the movie. So, so, in, so, so in conclusion, what are you doing, bro? In, in conclusion, this is why movies are failing. Movie theaters are failing, and everybody's just waiting for Netflix. That's uh, that. I think that's I what we need learned. movie theaters need to have five feet of soundproof wall between each seat. Mm-hmm. And just yeah, that shit doesn't happen down here in Florida. Yeah, I I am moving to Florida, dude. Let's just hang out, Brent, all the goddamn time. I will watch whatever you want to watch. I will agree with you. I don't care. If you can do the dishes and the lawn and the laundry, you got yourself a deal. You got it. It's a deal. Or you could just go to Alamo more often, Rath. That's true. That's true. I can do that, too. Yeah. They don't have recliners. Uh, Alamo has recliners. Uh, Not the one I've been to in Virginia, I guess. In the first row of of every theater in uh, in the Brooklyn one, they have recliners. So if you want to sit in the first row... Who wants to sit in the first row? It's actually not that bad, uh, all things It's a little further back, so it's not so bad. But I went went because it was a $5 Tuesday, and I had vouchers. So I got that, chicken tenders, and a drink for like $6. Ooh, well done. That's why I did it. But (laughs) I've learned my lesson... It's not worth it. Yep. Once I get the once Alamo does their unlimited, I am never going to another movie theater again. Mm-hmm. Oh, I yeah, I got into season pass, so I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm on the nice. waiting list, so I'm I'm so ready. Oh my god, my body is ready. So as the kids like to say. So so here's so here's a here's a question for you. In in the end, was setting it in the '70s worth it? And do you feel they crafted a well enough Gotham around around him? Uh, in the movie, you know, like like, would the same would would the movie have worked just as well setting it in 2019? Um, you know, making it a pastiche the way they did, like, was it just artsy fartsy bullshit, or did it actually work? I, I think it was artsy fartsy bullshit. I I don't care when the the film was set in. I, my problem was that the if they're gonna make him if they're gonna make him be the turn into the Joker when Thomas Wayne's still alive, then he's too fucking old. Yeah. And like you're not, there's no way you're telling me that. Oh, 30 years ago I worked for Thomas Wayne, and this kid's like 45 or whatever. How old Joaquin Phoenix? <laughs> He's is. supposed like, to be 30. Bullshit. He's clearly yeah, not 30. Yeah, I know. So that that's what I took issue with. Like, if you're gonna make him 30, then he's too old. If you're gonna make him Joaquin Phoenix, then like like, let's say th- set this while Bruce is in college or something. You know, come on. And that that's the Batman stuff that pissed me off a little bit. It's yeah. Like, this will never be the real Joker because all this stuff and you know Batman's not going to come back as a twenty year old and fight a sixty year old. Well, he did in Batman eighty nine. Okay, but you know, see at least Batman was also forty, right? Wasn't he? Yeah, at least at least, at least with Gotham the, t- the TV show, like it's believable for him to at least be like you know like twenty twenty one, and then and then have him be facing forty year olds. You know, that's that's not too bad. Well, in uh, Gotham, first off, they posited that the joker is an idea not a particular person yes which is why there were two in the end yep which i I, you know i i can go with that with the movie with joker like i can believe that my only issue with that was like i i think you know the movie was a little bit too long Mm -hmm. because i feel like him well i think 
honestly, if it had ended with him on top of the cop car getting the adoration he always wanted, like if it just stopped there, like I feel like it would have fit more naturally into the Batman mythos because then it could have just been any of those people around him could have gone on and become like the joker that plays bruce when he gets older but then they go to the scene in the in the in the asylum and it's just like why why are we going to this now yeah what what is happening here what where what is going to come of him is he going to escape is he going to be in prison for the rest of his life like it just it just opened up a whole box of things i didn't need like it just him on the cop car would have been just the perfect ending you know the waynes are bleeding to death in an alley like there you go. The, the, the scene in the in the in the asylum at the end, yeah, I I, I do agree. Did did feel a bit you know extraneous? Like it, uh, it it just it was an unnecessary capper, you know. Like I feel like at that point Todd Phillips was was just trying to do too much, and like that that's it. That's a sign of maybe that's when the editor should have walked in because you know the editing is just as just as important as the as the directing, and. Maybe if the editor had gone to Todd and been like, you know, maybe maybe the film works a little bit better if we don't use this, and and Todd would have had an open mind, even though he doesn't exactly seem the type of person who does have an open mind from the interviews that I've heard with him and uh, after the fact, um, maybe it would have worked a bit better. But I don't know if anybody was actually strong enough to say to him, hey, man, let's try it without it. Um, but hell, it won awards, and I, ne- and I never have, so that's, you know, what do I know? So... I'm with you there. Like, I'm almost thinking, like, you know, I definitely believe that he was, I don't know what the term is, you want to put a label on it or whatever, insane, mentally ill, whatever. Like, he was there for me in my showing. But my problem with it was, like, um, I felt like they didn't go far enough with the Joker. Like, I I figured out pretty early on in the movie, like, okay, this is going to take forever, and we're not going to get to see him until the very end. And that was kind of okay with me, but, um, I really didn't think they made him insane enough for him to be the Joker, not just a Joker. Yeah. Let me- so I, I could see where it's a different character later on that faces Batman. If this is the guy because he just seemed like, Hey, I accomplished what I want. This guy was making fun of me. I shot him. Everything else is okay. Look at all these people who love me right now in this riot and I'm good to go. Yeah. Let me let me read Donovan's comments real quick. Uh, they're they're pretty they're pretty brief. He didn't get a chance to really write up much, but uh, he's actually at a film showing tonight, so he wasn't able to join us. Uh, but uh, he did say, uh, uh, for what it's worth, I thought the movie was surprisingly basic and nowhere close to disturbing or transcendent at some points of its positive critics have praised it to be. Uh, maybe some people genuinely believe this leads to some new DC Joker Batman film continuity because it really doesn't, won't, isn't. It's not bad, but not worth any extreme emotion, either positive or negative. And that and that that's his that's his basic. Um, I think that was quite beautifully written. Hi, Donovan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I. Um. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's. There's I feel a like lot. He liked it a lot less than any of us did. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like it. and I don't like it at the same time, which is a weird place to be, but. 
Hey, I, that's the best way I can describe it. I, 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 I said, I said on Facebook right after I saw the movie that that I've never been this conflicted about a movie in uh, before, or at least in recent memory. You know, I just straight up hated Man of Steel. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. other than like the first twenty minutes, like I thought, I thought, all right, bullsh- bullshit. Oh, fuck I love the first hour. Yeah. yeah. No, tell us about it, Ian. You hated Man of Steel. Yeah. No, <laughs> well, so you know what, Ian? Let me go call like, them all. The reason why Joker confuses you yeah. is because it has. Everything you sh- you like, yeah, but it didn't assemble it in a way that's actually pleasing to mm. you. Mm. That's that's a very good way of putting that, Chris. Actually, yeah, yeah, because I love the performance. Yeah. I love the setting. Yeah. I mean, I'll 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 admit it. Yeah, the p- making it a period piece is pure wankery. Yeah, but I am here for the wankery. Yeah, and, and the New York porn everywhere. Like, I mean, you know. Oh the, yeah, setting Real it quick, so. like, partially filmed in the Bronx, uh, mostly filmed in the Bronx, actually. Um, with with uh, with bits of uh, Brooklyn and Manhattan peppered in there, like yeah, it's great. But uh, oh yeah, yeah, I heard you. I heard you go to Martha. That's the Kegs Theater. You were a little loud at that point. I know. I know. Uh, sue me on that one, but yeah, it's true. Uh, but Raph, what, what were you gonna say? Uh, going back to your New York thing, so I think it actually kind of fits. Really, uh, it kind of fits because 1970s New York is a shithole. Yes. Everything is falling apart. Yes. Everything's terrible, and. It, it makes sense to put Gotham a, a crumbling Gotham mm-hmm. in the seventies. Yeah. The but the big problem is obviously you know six year old Joker is not is not a match for twenty year old twenty something year old Bruce Wayne. Yeah. But um but I get why they made that choice because that setting is perfect for a, a Gotham City. And a little a little bit too on the nose though with the garbage strike like it's very on the nose. <laughs> that's that, again that's the other thing. It's they're not subtle. They're not subtle. Yeah. It's so like, what is what is going on with the garbage strike? Because, like, as a non-Gothamite, <laughs> yes, I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> why you say that's on the nose, uh, Chris? You're probably better at explaining this than I am. But uh, yeah, there there was a really, really long garbage strike in in New York history, where the streets were basically just littered with garbage as 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 garbage men refused to to do their job, uh, looking for looking for higher wages and. Uh, essentially, prove to the city that we cannot survive without garbage men. So, they... so, dude, I don't remember that at all because I wasn't alive yet. I know, but is you it, know, at least New York I don't think on the nose if it only applies to like one city thirty years ago. Fair, I don't know. But a lot of cities were did have problems in the seventies. Like it wasn't just New York; it's just New York was the probably the most uh, prominent because of the whole you know Ford to New York drop dead. You know? yes. Yeah, yeah. And then America's mayor came in and cleaned it all up, right? Yeah, guys? nope. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Do you want me to talk about the New York porn? I feel like like, yeah, yeah. like we have to bore the fuck out of bread. Oh and no, just please talk New York porn for a few minutes. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, like yeah, they shot stuff in the Bronx. I know Martha was like, "Oh, one of my clients is across the street from that building." <laughs> you know, we we, we passed we pass parts to, of of the Bronx also like near where she used to work, which which I I very I very much recognized almost immediately. I sincerely want to mind wipe you guys every time before you go see a New York City movie. <laughs> hey, it also did, I feel like it ruins something for you. Well, it also didn't help Brent that last New York Comic Con. Um, I was taking the uh, the F train into the city because there was a, a, a train uh, construction on my normal line, and we, we we roll into 18th Avenue and parked across from uh, from the state from me in the station was the Gotham Transit Authority train that they wound up using for that scene because um, because that scene takes place at 18th Avenue. 
So mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I was waiting for that scene in the movie because I literally saw them prepping it for for filming. So that that made me even happier. Yeah, uh, let's be honest. We were all kind of excited about. I mean, everybody's excited when they film something in your hometown. Oh, sure. As I learned from visiting Savannah, a city that is obsessed with Forrest Gump and Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. That's all they talk about. Yeah, man. Because nothing shoots anywhere but New York and Oh, LA. yeah. Well, no, because and, um, and, and when Atlanta. I in Sykesville, and in, and Georgia. They were obsessed with the Chris Rock movie. Yeah. They, they I got so upset when, I was, when we were watching Dexter and I found out that they only shot the exteriors in Miami uh, sometimes. And it was mostly L.A. for Miami. And yeah. then... The same thing with Ballers when it was in Miami, like mm-hmm. the first season. Yeah. And I was like, this isn't even Miami. And then immediately in the second season, they're like, we're moving to L.A. because they were tired of trying to make it look like Miami. Hey, the, the, the exterior shots of Brooklyn Nine-Nine are the only parts that are actually filmed in Brooklyn. So that's, you know, that, that that's 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 just all part of filming right there, you know? So do you guys get excited about SVU because they shoot in New York? Oh, yeah. Dude, dude like at least. At they're least, all there all the time, right? Yeah. I live near there. Yeah, they, near yeah, the court, they shoot so. on. They shoot near me too. As does uh, the good wife has shot in my neighborhood. Uh, Ian might remember when that they shot so much of Boardwalk Empire. Oh yeah, like yep. two blocks from here. Yeah, we used to take pictures of the old cars all the time. Uh, and uh, there was a you know a, a, a show that nobody wants to talk about anymore. But there was a there was a an episode of Louie that was heavily filmed in uh, in in the Dipness Park area also because you so many places like to make that area like Massachusetts or you know Virginia or anything like that because it's 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 old Victorian houses so it's nice and easy to uh, you know dress it up as another state and get away with it. Yeah, I still hunt down all the sites from Superman the movie. <laughs> Although I'll still, I'm still annoyed that Fringe filmed uh, a scene that was supposed to be happening in "quote unquote" Boston in Coney Island, and it was so obviously Coney Island. But that, then they moved production anyway to Vancouver, and then not, everything looked like Vancouver. So go figure. Um, but yeah, in general, I get excited when they shoot. It's not even just New York. Like I like how the Nolan movies were shot in Chicago. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when things are when things are shot in cities that aren't Vancouver or L.A., like it's exciting because you can feel the history. You can see like the I hate saying grit, especially, you know, it's 2019. Everything's supposed to be clean now. But like <laughs> there, you can feel that it's real. Oh, yeah. Like mm-hmm. on a level that, you know, again, Vancouver doesn't look like anything. Sorry if there's any Vancouverites listening to this, but it's true. It's true. You're a hoser. Like Vancouver looks like Vancouver, which looks like The Flash, which looks like Supergirl, which looks like Batwoman, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't watched it yet. And there's also parts of Cleveland that look like New York because that's where most of the Avengers movies were filmed. Yeah. Right. <laughs> At least Gotham so, was also shot in New York. Yeah, that's true. So, to, to pivot back to Joker. Mm-hmm. So the main thing I got out of it was, and this is the thing that like kind of drove me not a bit mad but a bit nutty and a bit emotional is like – I really got the society message out of it yeah. in a way that made me like self-reflect and like Raph knows what I'm talking about, but I do. Uh, are, are, are you saying, I love you, man. Feel, are you saying that you're mad as hell and you're not going to take it anymore? No, it made me feel as a, as a, a cisgendered white male in the suburbs, middle class. <laughs> um, you just broke us. Why? 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 Yeah. Well played. You get the award. Well done. Well done. <laughs> uh, this is just one of my pet peeves when people do that shit. But, I know. you know, I'll, uh, but it just made me feel like, oh, maybe I have, because the whole, the whole time I was watching it and I was like, 
okay, I, I'm identifying with Arthur. I'm sympathizing with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't empathize with him because I have not been where he's been. Right. But I'm sympathetic to his plight. Um, he's trying to do good in his life. He's trying to do well. He's trying to be a good clown. He doesn't really know how to read people very well. And, and like, I don't know, maybe having a five-year-old shaped some of this. Like, Olivia's a great child. Don't get me wrong. Uh, as far as we know, she has no mental problems. She's well-developed. But yeah. teaching a five-year-old about how people work is um, a challenge sometimes. She's constantly asking me when we watch movies or TV, is that guy a bad guy or a good guy? Mm-hmm. Like, we're watching Toy Story 4 after dinner tonight, and she asks me if um, Christina Hendricks' character, the doll, Dolly, whatever her name is, who doesn't have the voice box, is she a bad guy or a good guy? And I was like, It's complicated. Well, it's complicated. Yeah. You know, she's she's kind of a bad guy at the beginning, but she becomes a good guy because we learn to like her at the end and feel sorry for her. She's like, okay, so she's a good guy. And I was like, yeah, all right, whatever. <laughs> you know, it's going to take a few <laughs> like, years for her to get that yeah. vocabulary. Yeah. Because it's, so, protagonist, there's a reason we use the words protagonist and antagonist, but they're too long for a five-year-old. Right. You know, so, it's merely the opposing force. So, so I'm yeah. watching Arthur and I'm getting, I'm like, oh man, he really has it rough. Like his mom has got, he's taking care of his mom long-term, which um, Amanda's family has done with her grandmother, taking care of her long-term. There was more than one of them, you know, but I know the strain that that puts on a family, much less one person. You know, I know Raph's had to take care of people, and that put a strain on him a little bit. Um, So I can understand that. I can understand how, like, he's out there. He's looking for some connection. He's trying to talk to his neighbors, but his neighbors won't give him the time of day, or they just make one thing, and he wants it to be more. You know, I get some of that from when I was in middle school, and you know, I had a hard time making trouble, hard time making friends, um, you know, and it seems like to him, at least the world was constantly like they made a they made a brutal point of it. Like when Arthur is down, the world is going to kick him when he's down. Like they did that twice in the movie. Yeah. In the subway yep. and in the streets. And that was the narrative direction is like this world kicks you when you're down. Yeah. Um, they're not going to pick you back up. And that was a little forced, but I felt it in a way that was like, mm, okay. And so when I was watching the film, I saw this guy struggling for connection and reaching out and him being a comedian or trying that is, is him reaching out for connection, reaching out for somebody to talk to him, to see him who, for who he is, or just not even acknowledge that he has mental issues or not make fun of him, whatever. It, everything that we want when we meet someone, we're not looking to be judged, you know, and he was, here's a person that's constantly getting judged and how people were just like writing him off at face value or face level. And I thought about today's society and, and like, are we a society that kicks you when you're down? Yeah. Um, I, I feel like we kind of are. So I kind of drew that parallel to like, okay, here's a society that we're going to make it literal. We kick you when you're down and we can only do that by taking away cell phones, by taking away social media, by taking away cyberbullying. We're it's so to the point because there is no this there's nothing else to hide this metaphor behind basically yeah. um, you can't have fake likes you know <laughs> you're on you're on Facebook and somebody posts a, a sad post about how they're feeling that day or whatever rough day they had and you're you're feeling for them and you want to express it but at the same time you're I don't know you make an excuse about why you're not gonna like that post because it would be you know, if you like a sad post, are you liking that they're sad? Are you liking that they feel they're sad? Are you liking that, like, I'm there for you, buddy? Like, there's no 
middle room, and that's why Facebook has all those new emojis and stuff right now, I guess. You could also, what would be better would be for you to take the time and comment on there. Yeah. You know, and say, hey, bud, uh, or hey, girl, I feel you. I'm right there with you. If you need anything, call me. You could put it out there in the public. What would probably be the best thing for you to do is to text that person, message that person, hell, call that person, have a coffee with them, yeah. and and have that conversation in real life. And that's the type of connection that brings society up, that elevates society, that makes us all one humanity, where now we're all different groups and segregated or whatever because we've all got, you know, Facebook groups on Twitter or whatever the fuck that, like, you know, puts us in a corner, puts us in one bucket or another. Yeah. And without that, you're... You know, that's like a shield of protection, um, that type of thing. So when you strip it all down and you're looking for connection from anyone because you don't know where to turn and no one wants to connect with you, you you could, I felt like you could react in such a way that Arthur did, as well as if you had all these mental problems, you were on um, some sort of toxicology drug treatment that was altering your brain chemistry and then suddenly you weren't um you did have something or you realized your therapist wasn't actually listening to you that's very upsetting and offensive finding out your father may or may not be who you thought they were is also upsetting you know so like i've kind of viewed this and i was like okay he's really rather than a joker story and like grading it on that that's what i got at got out of the movie is like society is fucked up yeah. and we're all just yelling at each other and we'd rather yell about superman's cape or man of steel <laughs> or political shit on facebook than like actually reach out to someone and i reflected on that on the drive the five minute drive back to my hotel mm-hmm. uh when i was on travel and i was like i really have done some of those things and like um you know i reached out to raf because not to bring up raf shit but he is one person that I do want to be friends with and I do feel for and I want to sympathize with him. But I have been guilty of like scrolling past his Facebook post from time to time if he's had a My 17-page Facebook posts? <laughs> uh, you, know, wh- you know, so that that's what I got out of the movie. And that's why I didn't really like want to give it a rating because I was disturbed. Yeah. Not by Arthur, but that the way that the message made me feel about myself. Mm-hmm. And like that's why I was like in my... Um, because Bullets Review, like, I don't know that I could recommend this movie because it's not entertainment. It's more like, to me, it was about how you self-reflect after it. Yeah, you can piece it. We can pick apart all the Batman shit and the well-shot shit. Yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, like, that's what I got out of the movie, and I feel like that's really what it was going for, and maybe that's why it won the Palme d'Or or whatever at Cannes. And, and, and you know what? I, I I see that and I respect that, man. I and and I'm glad I'm glad it hit you that way, um, and I'm and I'm glad that you got that out of it. I I legitimately really am, and I mean clearly other people did as well, or else it wouldn't have gotten the praise that it got, like you, like you mentioned, or it would have been you know or two hundred fifty two million dollars. Yeah, and, and you know, or it would have been eighteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes instead of sixty five. You know, like clearly critics understand what you're saying, or at least some do. Just the way the way that I that I that I reacted to the movie, and it's and it's not to say that everything that you said isn't isn't true. It just rang a bit more hollow for me, if that makes any sense. It just didn't it didn't feel like the movie earned a lot of the troubles that Arthur had. 
I'd say, you know, one of my favorite parts of the entire movie is the scene where he's in in his apartment with uh, with Gary and and the and the normal sized uh, 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 clown. What about normal? That guy was pretty tall. Yeah, uh, fine, tall guy. The guy <laughs> the, the big, he was big, big and small. He was big and, big, dude. big and small. Yeah, big and small, big and small. Thank you. Uh, the, the, you know, the, where the big and small uh, uh, sized clowns are there, you know, quote unquote, consoling him um, as as he's trying to basically find out whether or not he ratted them out. Which, mind you, is exactly what Brent was talking about. People, they were actually reaching out to him in yeah. that moment. Yes, they were. And, uh, you know, then, well, uh, then Arthur They just, were trying to seem like they were, but yeah. one the of them was. was. The other one wasn't. Yeah. Gary, yeah. Gary, Gary was real. Give a fuck. He Gary, wouldn't know if he ratted him out. Right? Gary was real. And that was that was probably the most tense moment in the movie for me. Mm-hmm. Because I was, I was thinking to myself, like, oh, God. You know, is Arthur actually going to take his aggression out on both of them or actually let Gary out? It's it's also one of the uh, intentionally or not, I believe intentionally funniest moments of the of the movie where, you know, where he's he's trying to, you know, unlatch the latch. And Arthur's like, nah, don't worry about it, guy. I, you know, I got it for you. And he and he lets him loose, you know, because that's there's legitimate tension there. But had he killed Gary? I think the movie would have been irredeemable for me. To be entirely honest. And it becomes a much yeah. darker movie. Then yeah. he's really psychotic. Yeah. And he doesn't yeah. give a shit about anyone. Which yes. is why he didn't kill Gary, which is why I didn't think he killed uh, Zazie Beats, because I know some people think he might have. Mm-hmm. I don't think he did. Yeah, he I, entered her apartment, creeped her out, and then he left. That's yeah. pretty much what I read into the scene. Yeah. Uh, to Brent's point, like what I think the like you kind of unintentionally hit on what a lot of people have been worried about with this movie in that it does reflect the I'll say it, the white male cisgender worldview and that like the the angry worldview though the guys who have been lashing out doing all the mass shootings because they think the world owes them something mm-hmm. and Arthur goes through this movie like yeah people are kind of some people are outright cool to him but he's even kind of like angry at the people who don't have anything to offer like the the social worker i feel bad for her cuz she gets cut cuz of budget cuts she probably has like a you know hundreds of clients she can't keep track of them all she's obviously not a very good social worker but it's not like she hates him or she's malicious she's just like she doesn't have more than the 5 minutes that she's allotted uh it's just that that like basically what i what i want to say is like you no one owes you their time like we we can talk about how cruel the world is but at the same time that you know there's the whole you have to put on your own uh mask before you put on other people's mask and i mean that is something i feel in the movie that like everyone is so busy with their own bullshit that you know they can't be there for arthur but they don't they shouldn't have to be because arthur for the most part his life isn't actually as shitty as he would make it sound like he has a place to live he has a job he's not great at it, but at least he's employed. He's got a social worker who gives him medication. He you know, doesn't really have like a illegal drug problem. Yeah, he's he's an yeah, he's I not mean, drug addict. Yeah, yeah, like he's not great. His life isn't great, but it's it's stable in a way that like most people don't get, especially even in the seventies. He's not homeless. You know, I'm not saying that he should be grateful for what he has, <laughs> but that he is getting angry over not. Like his anger seems to be like, well, I don't have the pretty girl down the hall and I don't have the spot on the show. 
And he hasn't quite realized, like, or he doesn't want to admit maybe that, that the problem is him or that it's not fair that the problem is him. I, I, you know, again, I'm not, the movie was a little vague on that kind of stuff. Like, you don't yeah. really know a lot of his motivations, like, not just because it's unreliable narrator, but because I, I honestly don't feel like I learned that much about him. Like, why mm-hmm. does he want to go into comedy? He likes yeah. the show. Is that it? Like, I, I guess. I, I feel like that's probably the one thing he comes home and watches with his mom every night. And, like, she idolizes that guy so much. Because doesn't she, like, quiet him down at one point in the movie? Like, shut the – like, shush, Mar- you know, Maurice or whatever that guy's name is talking. Mm-hmm. Maury talking. Um, like, the show's on Be Quiet, which is, like, a very, I don't know, 70s thing to do. Like, yeah. there's only three channels. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, so the other thing was there is a very subtle mention. It was right when uh, Arthur kills his mom. It, he mentions – the laugh. So it turn. I, I think it turns out that the laugh isn't a psychological disorder. It's a physiological re- damage from being beaten so severely by the by that ex boyfriend. I think that's the conclusion he comes to. I think that that's well, everything that's wrong with him is because someone else did this to him, and that's what causes the snap. Because life is a joke. I mean, life is cruel, but it's not a tragedy. It's hilarious because it. I didn't. I I had nothing to do with any of this. It's none of this is my fault. Fuck it. I'm just gonna kill everyone. I, and that's where the psychological break yeah. was supposed to happen. It, it, it's it's an actual psychological disorder that can be brought on uh, by traumatic events. Raph. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. That's what it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so like it wasn't like he wasn't born with it. No. It was no. He, it was put. Yeah. It was put upon him. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's the same thing as like uh, getting in a car crash and suddenly having imposter disorder. You know, like it, it's it's definitely like it, it's 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 you know it's neurological, but it's also psychological due 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 to intense trauma, that sort of thing. You know, you no, know, I really hate how this movie is making the four of us who are not psychiatrists or therapists like we're turning into armchair like <laughs> diagnosis. Oh, That's yeah. what. Yeah, that was what the point I was making before yeah yeah well that's what i was saying though is like i'm not comfortable with saying he's insane because i don't have that expertise maybe i don't know if todd did todd phillips outright say that like he's supposed to be insane i don't know actually um all i know about todd phillips is that he doesn't like criticism that's that's all i know about todd phillips right now Um, yeah he thinks and he thinks nobody makes funny movies anymore which actually that's a comment that made me super mad and, and, when i read that and and scorsese uh the comments that he made to be honest you know because i mean I, I brought up a damn good scorsese movie earlier but him essentially saying that uh that superhero movies aren't art and sam jackson who's been in scorsese movies uh basically told him to shut the fuck up um <laughs> I, I mean he compared uh superhero movies to theme parks yeah and i don't see anything wrong with that. I saw a tweet that actually said, "No, that's that's actually a that's perfect kind comparison." Of accurate. Yeah, like, right. Theme parks. Well, there's nothing wrong with theme parks. Yeah. Theme parks as are one of like great. a long time yeah. theater park goer. Yes, once a year, seeing cheesy ass shows with terrible costumes mm-hmm. and terrible stunts. Yeah, all at once. That does not compare to a superhero movie My that's God. got a yeah. two hundred million dollar budget. Quality, yeah. but, said theme park like Disney World, yeah. like not the yeah, shows that they put about. on. Not the shows. We're talking about the roller coasters, the yeah. you know, the, the the teacups, the the castle. That yeah. it's that it's an experience, right. not a work you, of art. You come down to Galaxy's Edge and you see the still PS3 era graphics. <laughs> 
<laughs> on the Millennium Falcon ride uh-huh. and then go home and play something on your PS4 or Xbox One on a 4K HDR screen, yeah. you're still going to go, the movies are much better well-made than the theme park. Oh, yeah, but, but that, but that's... Well, that's, I think you're still missing what I'm trying. You're not even letting me finish here. Uh, what it is that theme parks are kind of a, like a more recent invention. Like they're an experience, a type of experience that didn't really exist before the 20th century. Are and they older than film though? Uh, well, Not superhero movies are don't go back to you know okay, the, but the, theme the parks. So. The theme park, like, because we had amusement parks, you had rides, you had the um, the Tivoli Gardens in in Copenhagen and yeah. stuff. But we're talking about like creating a whole new world to visit, and. I'm just saying, like, Scorsese saying that a superhero movie can be is more like a theme park to him. It's like, it's not necessarily insulting. Like, a, theme parks are fun. They're at least fun, right, Brent? Yes. <laughs> you know? I, I mean, I get it. I just don't think we should listen to the critique of a guy who's made basically the same film over and over again. It's like variations. <laughs> Did you not see King of Comedy? Now that I've watched it, I'm like, man, he does have range. Yeah. <laughs> Goodfellas, Gangs of New York, yeah. The Irishman, I, I was, Casino. I was just going to say, though, that, you know, the King of Comedy was, you know, like back in the 70s, and he seems to have made the same movie a lot since then. So he might have had range at one point. You get stuck. You, you oh, get sorry. Typecast. The Aviator, one of my favorite films. Oh, okay. There Not a gangster movie. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah. I mean, you know, but that, but then again, that would be like, limp, uh, you know, like putting Spielberg in a box. Meanwhile, Spielberg yeah. makes every type of movie yeah. known. Mark Scorsese man. made Hugo, and that wasn't even that long that ago. That's true. Good point. That I mean, was 2009, 10? Uh, yeah. 11. Yeah. 11, okay. Good sorry, point. I had to look it up, and I was like, oh, yeah, Hugo, which is not like any of his other oh, movies. It's actually kind of happy. Yeah. No, yeah, it is. Probably the happiest movie he's ever made. It's joy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to see more movies like this out of DC or hell even Marvel or things like that? Because like we had Logan and Logan was significantly different than everything else. And yes, that was Fox, not Marvel. But it was a superhero movie that you know, went out of its box and created something completely different than anything else that we've seen before. You know, like it, it's 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 barely even a superhero movie. It's more like a western in a lot of ways. Uh, it's, right. it, it has some superhero action to it, sure, but it's more of a western. I want to see the box pushed way more. I just I just want balance out of it. I I think DC needs to nail the core superhero idea deal first yes like like wonder woman i liked the final battle was garbage but rest of the movie was pretty solid shazam is actually a very fun delightful movie shazam was pretty good i loved it yeah yeah they need to they need to get make more of those nail that formula before they can start experimenting because that marvel has gone all over the place but marvel did kind of nail the core superhero tenets before it started to be like let's make a space caper movie (laughs) let's make shakespearean superhero like you know they at least you know, like, let's do Iron Man first and see how that works. And, yeah. oh, that worked out. So, let's, you, know, you know, I'll take this type of movie over the same rehashed origin movie that Marvel's going to make. I agree. Over and over again, because this was something different. This made me really feel something and made me really think about something. Whether or not I really going to want to go watch it again. It's a different story. Mm-hmm. But, like, I'm more interested in talking about this movie than I am watching Endgame. Like, I've seen Endgame exactly one time in the theater, and that's it. I have the Blu-ray for months. I have not put it in because I can't find three hours in my day. 
Oh, I just watch, watch it and try and stay I just away. watch Cap get me owner. I don't care about anything else. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, I, I, I will but definitely like, rewatch. Yeah. Doctor Strange, Black Panther, Captain Marvel, as good movies as they are, they're pretty much like almost note for note the same, pretty similar, whatever, however you want to put it. There's a formula. They stick to it. It works for them. Yeah. But I'd rather I feel get like Black Panther was different. Do something. I'd rather get a movie that tries to be different and fails than get the same movie or a version of it over and over again. Yeah, uh, I, I would agree with what Chris just said, though, that Black Panther is different in many ways than than movies that have come before it. Uh, Doctor Strange they, as well. Uh, yeah, well, with, with Black Panther, they did all the origin bullshit off screen or in previous yeah. films. So they could just... What I liked about Black Panther was but the fact was, that I, the first half was boring, but the second half, once Killmonger starts working, I was like, okay, this is different. This yeah. is interesting. The villain has a very good point. <laughs> and I'm way, I'm way more interested in the second Doctor Strange movie than I was in the first, right. because, because yeah, you're but, getting, you're getting rid of that, uh, that origin bullshit. That frankly, I'm glad that they didn't wind up doing too much in Spider Man, uh, because that actually allowed it to be a movie. Because you had five movies before it. Exactly. Yeah. But I, but, but, I, but basically, I, I, like Black Panther, though, in most of the first Marvel movies, you end up fighting like a mirror version of themselves. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm tired of. Oh, yeah. No, dude, I completely agree with you with that. You know, I mean, there, there's a reason why Marvel's been uh, trying to diversify their 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 supervillains over the last few movies, uh, because they realize the same thing that we realized. And we brought it up on the show tons of times before that they were know, boring. They were boring. Yeah, they were they, they were generic. They were throw out. I, I barely. What's even the re- name of the villain in the dark world? I was just going to say Malachith. Uh, Malachith, the yeah. accursed. <laughs> the accursed <laughs> See, yeah, Raph got it right. He got it wrong. Damn it! Should tell you something. <laughs> That's uh, because I just finished War of the Worlds. Yeah. The, the real the real villain of the dark world was the script, but you know that's that's beside the point. No, um, the real, real villain was villain the friends was we made along the way. Liquid that should have been a gem. Yes, that's true. Um, but the I real would... villain was there, there wasn't more Darcy in it. Yes, Mew Mew. Darcy. She. I think I think I heard she's coming back in one of the Disney. Wandavision, I think. Wandavision. There we go. Yeah. So that that'll be nice because uh, two broke girls is over, so she she can do more things. Going off of what you said though, Brent, about how you'd rather see you know, movies like this that try and fail. I'd much rather see movies that try and succeed, but I get what you're saying. Well, I I want them to be successful, but like failure in the terms of like, I got it. I I got something out of it. You guys didn't seem to get as uh, subjective, I guess, but Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. I I I don't know if I enjoy the movie per se, but, but I really enjoy talking about it and I'm picking it apart. I'm finding I'm picking it apart less than you guys are, which might, lean towards me enjoying it i guess mm-hmm. yeah then I, you guys are kind of mad on it i mean there's nothing wrong with trying and failing i mean i love jupiter ascending even though it is a trash fire <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> it's so bad but it's like unique and beautiful and like again it's the inside of a 12 year old girl's brain yeah like it's you know and, and i'm okay with <laughs> yeah. movies at least trying something different sure my thing with Joker is that it feels like it's pieces of other better movies kind of pushed together. Can, can I can I bring up a movie uh, before Raph makes his point um, that I was reminded of at times while watching Joker, Glass, um, the the M Night Shyamalan movie that came out earlier this year, um, which I didn't hate. Year? Yeah, it, yeah, it, it was. Yeah, it was. Holy it was. It, yeah, I know. It was. Uh, what was it? February, I think. I, I remember seeing. Yeah, it. January, yeah, January February. February. Yeah, wow. I remember seeing Holy it right crap. after I got back from uh, from Florida with uh, with with David at the uh, in in Newark. 
especially like the 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 weird body stuff that uh, that Joaquin Phoenix would do with his muscles and stuff like that was really reminding me of what the Beast uh, would do in in Glass and and in and in Switch before then. Um, but uh, also split. a little uh, sorry, Split. Yeah, why did I say Switch? I, I I always call it Switch in my head for some reason. Split because that's what you think the sequel will be called. Yes, exactly. Um, but uh, you know, it reminded me of that a little bit, but it also with the way that it went into, uh, you know, mental illness and what's real and what's not, um, I did get some throwback to that. It's done very differently in M. Night's movie uh, than what's presented here, but uh, I'd say that's probably the closest superhero comparison that I can get, uh, especially since it happened so recently. Um, I don't know if you guys thought about that at all, but uh, I, I just kept thinking about that. Every single time I would see Joaquim you know, flex his weird ass muscles and like the emaciated stomach and stuff like that, which was creepy as fuck. And I hope he ate a cheeseburger. You know, that that's immediately where my brain would go. Like, like that's completely where what what it what it felt like. I didn't see that movie, so I can't say. Damn it! <laughs> Wait, you guys, who, who did you record an episode with, Ian? Then just uh, um, I don't think I actually talked about it on here. I talked about I think I talked about it on CGS. You, uh, you could have recorded- invited me. <laughs> You've recorded three episodes this year of Comic Timing, so I don't hey, think that was one of them. It was. There were at least five. Come on. <laughs> I was on two. This is my third one. I know, I know that much. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's true. That's true. So now, now we have to have a day where we watch all three of those movies, mm-hmm. like maybe while drunk, mm-hmm. and then we just podcast afterwards. You mean you mean yeah. Unbreakable, Breakable, and Broken? You're never letting that I still think that's what they all should have been called, damn it. But that's that's in my head. Uh, and then the fourth one is, I can fix it. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. Uh, Ra- do you remember what you were going to say, Raph? Before, before yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. Um, the, so the reason I, I didn't, it's totally, the reason I didn't end up enjoying the movie partially is very subjective. It's because, like, you know how I mentioned my dad before? There are two times in my life I have completely failed at, tra- at understanding someone. Once was my dad. And the second was this version of the Joker. I don't understand him. I don't. I can't wrap my head around him. And it it reminds me of my dad. So it kind of that kind of takes away my enjoyment of the movie because that doesn't leave a great taste in my mouth. I'm trying to separate that from my enjoy from like the movie. But that's me. So that yeah. that's also so, my own bias. So I don't know that that I can see how it affected your non enjoyment of the movie or made you enjoy it less because you had a bad experience with someone with similar symptoms, your, your own dad for a majority of your life. Did it make you scared of him though? Like were, if you were scared of your dad, were you scared of him in the same way? No, it's just because I'm not, I'm not a kid anymore. And like, I, I, it's all, it's also like, I could see like you were, you were mentioning how you were thinking of me. I could also see myself in his position. And it's like, I, I never thought you were going to turn into the Joker. Like that's no, I, meant, and that's though. the thing. But like, but like the experience of oh, I've who's downtrodden, who's had, who's had, has had, you know, a shitty life, who, you know, parents weren't all that great, blah blah blah, all that stuff. I, 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 because you know, the part of understanding, part of understanding people is putting yourself in their position. I tried doing it, and like, I just can't. I fundamentally will never be the Joker because I'm not. I don't understand that. Like I can't be that, 
So that was my problem. Like I couldn't ra- like again, like I couldn't wrap myself. For- I tried wrapping. I tried it. I tried thinking about it. Like oh, you know, I went through stuff like that. I went through stuff like this. Blah yeah. blah 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 blah. And it didn't. And I, I did. I can't come to that same conclusion. Yeah. It's yeah. just not who I am. No, but so, like you, you found your joy yeah. elsewhere, though. Like you found your joy. In yeah, exactly. And, and it's turtles, like, and we don't know where he found his joy. It seems like all he did, yeah, was exactly. watch his it's mother's like, joy. And when his mother's joy crushed him, he broke. Right? right. Yeah, exactly. So like, and like, and then you find out the truth that it broke him. Like, I don't. It, it's just something I can't. It's hard for me to wrap my head around. And 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 I think that uh, that, that it's it's hard to, in a movie like this. Especially with a character like the Joker, where, you know, even in the comics and hell, even in the Dark Knight, like with him being sadistic and with him being a maniac and with him being completely unreasonable and and psychotic, there's also weirdly moments of levity and especially humor. And this is a Joker that fails at stand-up comedy, and never is really funny. He doesn't have to tell jokes, even. It's just he does not have a personality that is in any way charming or humorous. So it just it just leaves you flat that way. He's a clown, sure, and that's maybe the few times that you really do see that is when he's interacting with, say, the kid at the beginning or... Or you know when he's at the uh, children's hospital until the gun falls out of his pocket. But oh god, he that was so dumb. Yeah, that was that was terrible. That was <laughs> but it was hilarious. Yeah, I loved it. It was. I, but it's just it, it, I. It I may, can it, see it, that charm being part of his psychosis as a Joker, though. Right. Like not necessarily a part of his base personality, but mm-hmm. something that grows along with his. Um, Disorder, or whatever you want to call like it. Like as he as he embraces it more, he'll yeah. start finding the, he'll start doing things like you know, which is which is all well and good, man. The pencil trick. Then why was this the movie that they made? <laughs> I, I'm with you. I wanted more Joker. Like I would have been fine if he went nuts 45 minutes in the film. Yeah, and we had yeah a more just like honestly, I would have. I kind of want more than just a t- not even 20 minutes. We really got 10. We really got like, like him running the scene you missed, Ian. <laughs> yeah, and, and maybe Chris. <laughs> the scene you guys missed, where he's running through um, the subway or whatever. Like he doesn't feel like the Joker there. He's wearing the makeup, but he's still Arthur. Like he's still yeah. scared. Yeah, he doesn't really turn into the Joker until he gets to that dressing room and like has that smoke and writes on the on the mirror, which they didn't even focus on very much. Mm-hmm. So to me, we really only got the Joker. For 10 minutes maybe when he was on the show and then after that he's either incapacitated or he's like back to someone out of that manic state or whatever mm-hmm. and just enjoying it and like even the psychiatrist or the Arkham stuff at the end didn't really feel like the Joker so I, like I wanted him to go crazy earlier on yeah and just go on a full-out rampage because I was like I, I really wanted that Dark Knight moment where he fucking killed the whole audience <laughs> I was like, how is he going to get the gas? <laughs> he doesn't know anyone. 
and 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 that's and that's another part of it too is that like I mean you know I'm I'm one of the biggest fans of of, of Elseworlds possible you know I love alternate realities and I love alternate takes on characters and I you know it's 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 one of my favorite things to read and it's one of my favorite things to experience on screen too you know stuff like New Frontier and Red Sun and you know Crisis on Infinite Earth Crisis on Infinite Earth coming soon motherfucker can't wait um, oh my God Kingdom Come Superman I, I know I know please <laughs> okay, let me see it one more time cast David Masu you cowards thank you yes that's a running joke <laughs> that's a running joke that i hope lasts forever um <laughs> you cowards but it's just yeah i had i had this felt more natural and had it felt more like the joker then i probably would have i probably would have liked this movie a lot more and i would have liked this movie a lot more even if even if it had been called charles or something and just had nothing to do with the Joker whatsoever, and we're just watching a man melt down and and turn into you know the worst possible version of a human being that we can possibly see. You know, I it's just there's a there's you strike a goddamn balance between the two. You got to do that between art and and you know what you're trying to ape, and you make that work, and it didn't for me. And it sucks because I wanted more out of it, and I think I would have really enjoyed the movie otherwise. So that's that's probably the best way that I can put it. I, I think, like technically, on this film, we can determine that we two things. Yeah. One, Joaquin Phoenix is a great actor. Absolutely. I don't know that he's a great Joker because, again, I feel like we only got ten minutes. It's hard to judge. Yeah. When you got two hours in Dark Knight, you got two hours in Batman. At least he didn't you have got, a mustache he tried to cover with makeup. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, I mean, there's, you got there's some bit of camp to that, I guess. <laughs> Mark you, Hamill got just, years, but, like, yeah. you know, even Jared Leto got more screen time as a Joker than, than this guy did. So. And he had 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I don't know. but So there's that's one thing. He's a great actor. Yeah. Sure. Uh, I think the other thing is that we can all say that Todd Phillips stepped his game up mm-hmm. as a director. Like, he can be, he can do drama, and he can do comedy, and he knows how to pick a good cinematographer, a good set director, set decorator, whatever. Or unless the producers did it, but also Bradley Cooper was a producer on this film, so yeah, I don't know. So there's two things I guess that come out of this movie. We get maybe an Academy Award for Joaquin Phoenix again, I think, and Todd Phillips stepped up his game. So hopefully he expands and does something we all like next time. Hey, hey, come on. He's and producing the un, the untitled Hulk Hogan biopic. Eh? 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 I want to see that Rocky Raccoon be so good. You never know that Hulk Hogan could be good, too. Uh, they better include the Gawker shit. All right. You know yeah, no, that's, that, it's like... gonna be It's going to be Joker all over again, but instead of shooting a, a, a comedy host on live TV, yeah. it is him shooting Gawker in the face. <laughs> if they get... If they get Ang Lee to the direct the Hulk Hogan movie, the way he directs Gemini Man, and they use actual Hulk Hogan to be himself, oh my god! I no, we could have a masterpiece. No, I so hope this is true though, because so so he's directing as well. Todd Phillips is directing. Apparently, Chris Hemsworth is starring. I'm down. Yeah, yeah. I'm down. I think he. Can well, let me tell you something, me owner. <laughs> what you gonna do, brother? I'm I'm checking out of that one. I'm I'm, I'm done. <laughs> uh, plus, it makes sense that Bradley Cooper uh, produced, considering uh, he was also a producer on Limitless, and I think wrote wrote and directed a bunch of uh, 
episodes of that TV series. So they, they know each other from that. They know each other from The Hangover. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, from oh, the yeah right. Shit. Right. I forgot about that. The Cooper's big breakout was that. Yes, yes, yes. Good point. Good point. I Saved him from alias uh, obscurity. Yeah. I, that's what I feel like is really odd is because I'm like, wow, this is a very pretty film. It's got a lot of interesting things going on with it. Wait, this is the guy who made The Hangover? <laughs> hey. Well, you go back and watch The Hangover movies. They are actually very pretty. So he's had some for a while. He also did part two and part three. Uh, let's not talk about those. <laughs> I love. I do love what he's like. There's no. They don't make any good. They haven't made a good comedy film in a decade. And it's like, okay, so when did the Hangover Three come out? Did you just self own? Uh, that came out in 2013. Yeah, self own. <laughs> <laughs> the Hangover came out in 2009. So that's cell phone. Yeah, self <laughs> s- cell phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, game set match, man. So, yeah, no. I don't know. I've seen some Tiffany Haddish movies that I laughed at pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah, no. I I, I think he's wrong that there haven't been I think there've been plenty of hilarious movies the past 10 years. Book Bridesmaids. Smart. Book Smart is hilarious. I love that movie. And Olivia well, Wilde. I've been did watching that girl job. since uh, Last Man Standing. She's a fantastic actress. Mm. Catlin Denver. Yeah, yeah. Mhm. She's on that uh Netflix show about I forget what it's called now. And uh, Jonah Hill's uh, uh, sister is in uh, Booksmart also. I can't believe that's his sister. I know. I know. I, I didn't know for years because they have different last names. But, uh, I wonder if they have different parents, though. They might. She's also great in what we do in the shadows. Uh, she, okay. she, she plays uh, one of the, one of the uh, side characters in that who becomes a vampire in like the third episode. She's, she's excellent in that. Um, so where does Joaquin rank? Since, since you did just mention his 10 minutes of Joker, like... Where does he rank in people who have played the Joker for you, Brent? Actually, so I would probably put it Hamill, Ledger, um, Leto. Whoa, no, no. And Joaquin. I'd put And Ram- then Romero. You got to put Romero before Leto. You fucking kidding me? I haven't watched that much of Batman 66, but uh. I-, I would put Leto above because, again, he was. <laughs> Had more screen time as a Joker, and he was more Jokery. Where's Jack Nicholson? Oh, okay, so Nicholson would be. <laughs> I don't like Nicholson very much at all, so he'd be pretty low. But like, still, you forgot him. He was the first major Joker he's, in a long time. Yeah. Okay, so exactly my point. I don't know. <laughs> he's better than he's yeah. better than. Like, uh, you can't forget put, him. I'd probably put Nicholson below uh, Joaquin. Okay. Because I, I like Joaquin as yeah. the Joker more than Nicholson, because Nicholson's really just being himself in makeup. Yeah, right. That's true. Yeah, I also don't like the Joker as an actual like crime boss type deal. Mm. Because again, we've been talking about how the Joker should be crazy, insane, or whatever, and it's just like he just seems like a really still seems like a mean crime boss. But you know, now he's electrocuting people and painting paintings or whatever. Yeah, like it just it didn't. I don't know. Oh. Uh, you forgot the most important Joker of all. Wh- who? Cameron Monaghan. Oh yeah, that's true. Good, good, uh, good point. Good point. Sorry, haven't yeah. watched uh, all of Gotham yet. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. No one did. <laughs> Dude, I I stopped after the Azrael stuff, so I need to go back. I that lo- was like season two. Oh god, I love I love I love Gotham. It was so stupid and so good. So stupid and so good. But uh, but, but see, we can like things that. Try something new and fail horribly. Exactly. Oh, and it's actually, <laughs> that bad suit was terrible. I, I didn't watch it, but I saw the picture. And spe- speaking as bad as it looked, uh, no, it actually looked pretty decent uh, on on okay. screen. Look, look better because than, it was on screen for like two seconds. Yeah, exactly. 
uh, which is two seconds more than Tom Welling was on screen as uh, Superman in Smallville. But he's coming back! Yes, he is. Who knows? Wait, until they put a photo of him in the costume like Brandon Routh is parading up and down Vancouver in that Oh suit. my god, yeah, I, I love, love it. it. Look at I me. love it, though. Look I love Brandon Routh. I know he's so back, but they're not going to put Tom Welling in a suit. I, I guarantee it. I think he is, and I think he's going to be in a new 52 suit. That's what I think is going to happen. It's going to be closer to that. Watch it happen. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I I laughed at the fact that they put the Harley Quinn Birds of Prey trailer attached to this. It's like, and now for something completely different. There and- wasn't one in front of mine in, in Washington. Oh, in yeah. DC. Oh, well, we, we had no it. Birds of Prey trailer. Yeah, we got it. Was I was it- like. Surely that's right in front of the film, right? Yeah. Was, was no? it? I, I missed it. I think that was the one I missed. Okay. Did you go to a Regal or an AMC, Brent? Uh, or a Cinemark? Regal? It was a Regal. Regal? Okay. Yeah, Yeah. we were at an AMC, so that makes sense why they were a little bit different. But Raph, all you need to know is that that is, just like there are Republicans in name only, this was Birds of Prey. In name no, only. I saw the trailer. I saw the trailer at home. Yeah. I didn't see it in the movie theater. It's got Cassandra Cain. I'll, I'll go check it out. I don't care. I think it, I think it's going to be better once we actually see it. And I'm. I, I hope. It looks like a lot of fun. It does. Ask Donovan if that's Cassandra Cain. Hey, he, I don't think he'll agree. He said he said he was happy that to see her period. So I think that's. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I'm I'm happy to get anything at this point. Yep. My, my let me get let me get some more characters and then let me argue argue about their quality. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, I'll, I'll rank mine real quick, and then and then we'll uh, then we'll finish it out with the uh, with the rest of you. But I think uh, uh, Mark Hamill number one definitely, uh, and then kind of want to put Cameron Moynihan second, but I really shouldn't. Uh, so he's going to go third. This this is harder than I thought it would Who's be. Who's second? Who's I, second? I don't I don't know. I'm trying I'm trying I'm trying to think. <sighs> I, it's I, Leto, isn't it? No, it's not Leto. Screw you. <laughs> No, no, no. Fine, Heath, Heath Ledger's second, all right? Heath, Heath Ledger's second. I'll, I'll put Heath Ledger's second. Moynihan, you don't have to if you don't want to. No, no, no. Because of us? I would, no, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it because I, I, I do still really appreciate his Joker. Um, so, yeah, so he, he's second. Cameron Moynihan's third. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix is fourth. Then Cesar Romano. Uh, Romero, Romero. Romero. I, knew, I do that every time. Ray Romano is 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 on my list for some reason. I think uh, George Romero, Day of the Dead. Yeah, there we go. Then Jack Nicholson. Then a pile of shit. Then Jared Leto. <laughs> Wait, you left out Joaquin. No, why? Did, or, oh, you put him before? No, no I'm sorry, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I missed that part. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I had, I had Joaquin high, uh, pretty high up there, uh, and and John DiMaggio's on that list somewhere too, probably right in between, uh, uh, like four and five or something like that, because because uh, I, I do really enjoy his Joker, and he doesn't get to play him enough as in in the animated world. Raph, where, where, what do you do? I'm pretty similar to you. Um, I love the Ledger Joker because I feel like he's the most chaotic one. But I, I think I'd give it to Ham. It's between him and Hamill. I, I flip flop any given time. So um, I would go those two are my top two. The third one is probably um, Cameron because I do like I do like um, Jer- um, Jeremy Velasca. Mm-hmm. Or wait, is that the first one or the second one? Which one? I can't. I always get them mixed up. Jerome, uh, Jerome is, is the, the first one. one. Yeah, Jerome's the Jer- first yeah, one. Jer- Jeremy's the second. Jer- yeah. Jeremiah. 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 Yeah. yeah. I prefer I Jeremiah. No, there was a second one. Um, so it's three, um, four is going to be Romero because I like, because he's a, he's a classic. 
five is arguable. It's probably going to be Nicholson, or no, it's going to be Phoenix, then Nicholson, then Leto. I just don't like Suicide Squad. I don't yeah, think it's not. I good. would <laughs> if Leto. I, I just don't like the, the he's the least appealing look wise. Like I just don't like that look. Yeah. I think his actual performance wasn't that bad from what I remember. I'm I don't remember much of Suicide Squad because <laughs> I'm trying to block it out. But like I don't think he was terrible in the role. I just don't think that that was the Joker. He was damaged. You could tell he was damaged because his forehead. Yeah, was so it was damaged. just like so, like really terrible. I, yeah. I I would if if he had been in this movie, I would have given him a chance to like prove me wrong. He had a grill in his well, mouth. Well, they didn't, but whatever. He had a know, grill in his mouth. Remember the grill? Take away the grill and the tattoos, and he, he everyone might have He might have been okay. Yeah, he yeah. might have been okay. I just don't want to think about Suicide Squad, that's, so I'm not going to reflect on it. That's fine. Suicide well, you're Squad. getting another one. Yeah, Suicide Squad 2 starring James Gunn. You know, no, directed by James Gunn. The Gun. Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad. It's a different movie. Oh. Like, The Batman from Matt Reeves is going to be different than Batman. That's true. You make a good the point. The Fast and the Furious, Fast and Furious. Exactly. God, two different films. God damn it. Now, now, I need, now I need to watch that video about, about how sequels and naming doesn't make any sense anymore. Uh, the F8 of the Furious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Chris, what are your rankings? Uh, so yeah, probably where Raph is, where I, it's hard to pick a number one, because it could be Mark Hamill, or it could be Heath Ledger, depending on how I'm feeling. Uh, uh, sentimentality, I would give it to Mark Hamill, but like Heath Ledger is probably going to be the prototypical arch- arch- archetypical Joker for most people. Yeah. So like, I kind of have to give that the edge. So yeah, we'll say like Heath Ledger, Mark Hamill, number three. Yeah, Cameron Monaghan. You know, because like I'm super angry that they wouldn't let him be called the Joker. Because I, I think what was great about his Joker is that he got to do. Uh, different versions he got to do a Heath Ledger Joker and he mm-hmm. got to do a Jack Nicholson Joker yep and that was that's actually kind of fun and again the whole Joker is a con is like a more of a concept like almost like a a, a virus a meme yeah uh, was he the Joker in the last episode they did name uh, they did actually call him the Joker in the last episode yeah but they didn't ever before then no that he was either he was he, just he, Jeremiah yeah he was Jeremiah or or he was uh or he was Jerome that's it yeah yeah so number four, you know what? I'll say John DiMaggio, even though I haven't seen as much of his Joker mm-hmm. as apparently Ian has. Yeah. Number five can be Jack Nicholson. Cause I mean, I enjoy the movie. He does some interesting stuff, but it is still kind of like Jack Nicholson more than it is a Joker to me. Uh, and then we're up to number six, uh, Zach Galifianakis, Lego Batman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh my god, I forgot about that. No. It's so doofy yeah. and dumb and beautiful. You know, <laughs> you know and then I'll, I'll do also Cesar Romero. I, I need to rewatch a lot of 66 Batman. I used to be obsessed with it as a kid, but it's still kind of just like, I don't know, it's just it's kind of flat compared to what everyone has done with the character since. And then I can't even say number eight. It's more like DSQ is Jared Leto for me. <laughs> <laughs> Disqualified. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, sorry jared yeah he's you bad. were good in dallas buyers club even though you were cast wrong because you're a guy playing a woman yeah <laughs> wow i i, I looking at his character transsexual his char- though his character is trans you shouldn't be casting 
like because it uh, uh, the argument for not casting cisgender men as trans women is that you're basically saying that trans women are just men in dress up, which they're not. There are trans women actresses out there that you could hire and still pull off the same thing uh, with the. What's I mean, I Don't get me. it. I, I saw yeah. Orange is the New Black, and she's a great actress. No mm-hmm. doubt about that. But yeah. isn't it still acting at the end of the day? It is. This is a whole other argument we could have. I think. Right. I can like, play a tree. Yeah. What are you, Scarlett Johansson? My oh. favorite Asian actress. Oh, be- don't, talk, be- don't talk about her. Best I cosplay. Love her. Best cosplay of the uh, entire New York Comic Con was this Asian girl who was walking around with a sign that said Scarlett Johansson. I loved it. <laughs> I saw that. It's so funny. I love it. Oh I God. just think back because I didn't know. I found out with Dog Day Afternoon that the actual wife did offer to play herself in the movie and they turned her down because she was too pretty. What? Wow. Yeah, that's why they cast Chris Sarandon because they wanted it to be a guy playing a woman. Jeez, that's messed up. Mm. Well, uh, and, and by the way, looking it up, uh, John DiMaggio has only played the Joker three times, two of which were in Lego things, but he did play him in Under, Under the Red Hood, which is a damn good animated movie, and I love the Joker in that. So he wasn't he wasn't the Joker in the Batman or one of the TV I series? Say, no. I thought he was the Joker in that series. No, uh, looking it up the here. The Jackie Chan Batman. Uh, let me take a look and see what the, what the person was who played that uh, real quick, but it was not John DiMaggio from the looks of it. Because it was because I was at the panel at San Diego and I could have sworn it was John DiMaggio. Strike him from your ranking. Uh, yeah, the Batman TV series from two thousand four to two thousand eight, right? Mm-hmm. Let's see. Uh, that was Kevin Michael Richardson. Oh, it's well Kevin then, Michael Richardson. So we'll swap them out. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Go figure. Kevin Michael Richardson could play everybody. Who did, who is he? Uh. Kevin Michael Richardson's like one of those voice actors that you've that you've literally heard in everything. Okay, like he's 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 an everyman uh, type type of. He's voice like actor. Phil Lamar. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, he's he's been he's been in everything. Uh, he's even voiced animals a couple times, if I remember correctly. Like he he can do literally anything. Um, he is a bunch. Yeah, he's a he's like all the extra voices in a lot of things. He is. Um, I've got his thing up. I'm trying oh, to see if and I he's can going to be in the invinci- he's going to be in the Invincible uh, animated uh, series. So I don't know who's playing. That's still that. happening. Uh, yeah, he played Cleveland Brown Jr. Uh, on Cleveland on the Cleveland Show and Family Guy. Yeah, at least at least we're looking this up so that anybody listening to this episode won't get angry. Yeah. Oh, and he's Principal yeah. Lewis on American Dad. Like that's and that is one of my favorite characters right there. <laughs> oh, your voice, he's Shredder. Yeah. Oh, he should. Okay. And he was Martian Manhunter. Uh, Ninja Turtles. He was Martian That's Manhunter on, on, young, on Young Justice. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Mal Duncan. So he's done a bunch of Mal. shit over the years. Bunch, a bunch of voices. So many voices. So there we go. Can we pivot to comics? Uh, we can, but let's let's let's, let's, let's rank this thing first. Uh, what, okay. What, yes. Let's rank. Yeah. You guys rank. Yeah. What what what, what do we give out of five, uh, Chris? Out of five, yeah, uh, I might have given it a two and a half. That's actually exactly where I lie. Maybe a three, depending on the day, but yeah, just a two and a half, just because I kind of went, eh, you know, it's a toss up. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I give it a two and a half myself. Uh, I think that uh, very artistic, you know, beautifully shot. Just wish the rest of it would could have been better. 
Uh, Raph? I'm actually a little more generous. I give it like a three. Uh, maybe even a three and a half because it made Brent think. Because <laughs> it made me think about you? <laughs> yes! I mean, I'm an egomaniac, so it's, it's if it's about me, then yeah, I'll, I'll give it an extra half point. Yeah. No, I, I, you're more. You're worth more than a half a point, Raph. I'm, I'm just saying, like, like, <laughs> like the, the the story. The story is okay. The like everything. Like, there are a lot of great things about it. There, there, there are some things that are really not that great. So it's it's a little above average for me. I wouldn't say it's average. I would say it's a little more above. It made me. It makes. I think about it more than the average movie. Mm. All right, fair so, enough. Yeah. And uh, Brent, I'm still gonna go with my. It's unrankable because I don't really think it's entertaining per se. <laughs> to, to give it an entertainment scale, I think is a little unfair. But in terms of a well-madeness scale, I'm going to give it a four. Brent it is very well made. Brent gives it a not available out of five. <laughs> it's the it's the galaxy fold of DC movies. <laughs> <laughs> unrankable. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't score it. We haven't scored it. I know. Ooh, Kevin Michael Richardson played Panthro on that uh, on that Thundercats remake. I forgot he about that. He did. Yep. With for now. Mm-hmm. All right, we can talk a little comics before we wrap up. Uh, Brent, what do you got? Uh, I st- I've been reading this series called Birthright, and I feel like no one else is reading it, but it's really good. Not Superman Birthright, something else. No, it's it's an image book. Yeah. It's written by the guy who's writing Flash. Um, Williamson? Williamson. Yes. Yeah, Joshua Williamson. And if you haven't been reading his Flash run, it's fantastic. 80 issues in, still the best thing on the stands from DC, I think. Inconsistent. Um, but Birthright is basically a uh, story about a kid who gets kidnapped. And when he's kidnapped, he's sent into another world. And over in this world, time works differently. So when he comes back, he's been missing for two years. But now instead of being like a seven-year-old boy, he's this 28-year-old Conan the Barbarian killer. And he's um, trying to battle the forces of evil and magic on the world he was raised in and our world. While his parents and his older brother are trying to go, what the hell just happened? Uh, Chaos ensues. You find out things about him and the people he interacts with on both worlds. And they all kind of mesh together. And we're, I think, 12 issues away from the end of this book. And the other great thing about this book is that the art is all done by one guy. Um, crap. I want to Alessandro Brissetti or whatever, and he's done every issue since the beginning, and he's fantastic. So cool, well recommended. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I have, I honestly have not heard of Birthright, so I'm gonna have to give it a shot. Uh, yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking at the. I'm looking for the name of the uh, of the artist now, just so I can look. Andre Bresson. There we go. Yes, Bresson. Okay. Thank you. Brisson? Brisson? B-R-E-S-S-A-N, yeah. One of those. Um, the other thing I read recently that I really, really liked is um, I've been reading these really kind of weird erotica comic books. Yeah. Swing Volume 2 I liked. Oh, yeah. It's very short, but uh, I liked it. Mm-hmm. But I fell into that hole because I read um, Sunstone by Sepjohn Sejic. He was doing the Witchblade art for a while. He did an issue, a couple issues of Justice League Odyssey. He's the writer and artist of the Harleen book that just came out. Um, and it's Sunstone is this really kind of strange for me 
being a white cisgendered male in the suburbs. Uh, it's a BDSM love story between two women oh. and their friends and what's around them. It's really beautifully drawn, hmm. but he does the same thing that um, Lieber Mayo did in the Joker graphic novel, where he like goes from like a very looser style yeah. to a super rendered style when he wants to be sexy or dramatic or like the big splash pages kind of thing and really hit home an image of like oh something's sexy or something's happening or somebody's hurt somebody's sad and then so like there's five volumes of this weird bdsm erotica comic but over the five volumes it really tells an arc of a story between these two women and goes less and less like the first volume is very much like i don't know sexy and then as you get towards volume five, it becomes less sexy, more dramatic, and more about the characters and their relationships. Hmm. And um, the latest one, volume six, is called Mercy. And they're actually basically finished with the two women's story. And now they're switching to um, their best friend, this guy, and the girl he met and fell in love with Like in the background of that first story. And they're delving into their backstories, like how they became into this whole scene and how they are messed up and have problems and met each other. Like it's going to be a whole nother, like, I guess five volume arc or whatever. Interesting. But it's all written and drawn by him. It's all put out on top cow. I saw a trade paperback in a books a million in Virginia mm -hmm. in the middle of a mall. And I was like, this should not be in here. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, that's like the time that yeah, Chris was with me for this when we were in a bookstore and we saw, actually, no, it wasn't a bookstore. It was a library that had Watchmen in the kids section. Ugh. Oh, that was the time I had to like write a letter telling them like, "Look, I am okay with you guys having Watchmen. Mm -hmm. It cannot be sitting in the young adult section." Yeah. Look at the blue penis. <laughs> blue wang. Yeah, like a week or two later, they had actually moved, created a new section that said adult graphic novels. So you know. <laughs> I, I haven't I haven't really been reading a lot lately. I did read this uh, this little indie comic out by Jonathan Hickman uh, called Powers of Ten um, and and House of X uh, that that uh, have been fucking amazing. Best X Men books in years. Oh my god! Like since Morrison, better than Morrison. Honestly, in some ways, better than Morrison. Like it's. You got to be a fan of Hickman to like it, and, I, and I'm going to say that straight up. Like, if you were a fan of what he did with with Fantastic Four and what he did with Avengers, you're probably going to like this stuff. I liked um, his Avengers stuff. I haven't liked much else he's done. Okay, well, th this is this is similar to that in the way that he's he, that he's crafting a world. Um, and uh, Powers of Ten actually goes like past, present, future, far future. Um, which is why it's called Powers of Ten. Like you get X one, X two, X three, X four, and get to see X3. like yeah, X three, X Men United. Uh, yes, actually that one. Uh, no, not that one. It sucked. Uh, and uh, you know you basically get to see a whole bunch of different stories happening at once. Uh, House of X is based in what would be present day. Uh, has a totally different take on Moira McTaggart than we've ever seen before. Um, essentially, he makes Moira a mutant. And the way he does it, like, I don't want to spoil exactly what's going on for anybody who's who still hasn't read it. What he does to the character completely changes her from the ground up and cements why we are where we are, both for Moira and for the characters as a whole. He even has explanations why there's X-Men that were literally killed off, like, three months ago in the X-Comics that are, that are showing up again. 
he does a really, really good job with everything. The art is absolutely gorgeous. And again, I haven't had this much fun with the next book, and I cannot tell you when. Uh, probably since Bendis' stuff. Um, but this is better than Bendis' stuff because it, it's crafting something new. Uh, if, ex- if they actually stick with this stuff, like they don't actually renege on it once Hickman's no longer involved, then this may actually bring the X-Men back to the prominence that they really should be um, in, the, in the Marvel Universe. So yeah, definitely go with that. Tons of other stuff I bought recently just because I was at New York Comic Con and, and you know got a bunch of books, uh, whether they be freebies or whether they be new stuff. Like I, I got a copy of Gail Simone's Seven Days Number One because uh, she was at the con and we got to chat for a bit. Uh, and, and her amazing husband. Oh my God, I love him. <laughs> yeah, I've met him. I've met him once or twice. I think way back when we were still new at when we still had Podcast Arena. Yep. Yeah. No. Scott, oh, those were the days. Scott's, Scott's the best. Her- her clean room series from Vertigo? No, I didn't. Oh, this is fucked up. It's good. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, there may also be more. Uh, uh, what was the one that she did with uh, with Califiori? Uh, Leaving Megalocalypse. Um, they may be doing more of that uh, uh, eventually. So that's that's good to hear. But uh, yeah, I got a bunch of books that I can't even really think of right now. I had a decent time at New York Comic Con. Wasn't one of my best years, but I. Probably the best thing I did was on Thursday. They had a whole bunch of panels at New at New York Public Library that I went to um, that were new and different. Um, did a uh, uh, Asians and Comics panel that Raph would have loved, and uh, they had should have been there. I know. Uh, and first second had a uh, uh, a nonfiction comics panel that I went to uh, that was great. Oh, Rick and Morty Dungeons and Dragons playthrough that we did was fantastic. Fred Van Lenthe is an amazing Morty. <laughs> That's like he 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 had him nailed perfectly, and and Raph, I did get a recording of that panel that I'm that I'm going to send over to you. Oh, that's awesome! Cool, yeah. cool, cool. Yeah, so all all good stuff. Uh, Chris, you read anything lately? Comics wise, I'm a little fuzzy because I, I I even just checked my Goodreads. I was like, what was the last comic I read? <laughs> I haven't had a chance to read anything from New York Comic Con yet. I did buy Box Brown's uh, Cannabis: The Illegalization of Weed in America. Nice. Not because I'm into weed, but because I'm like big into like history and like non-standard history. So you know, I've just been like I have that. I haven't caught up on Die yet. Uh, I have the last two issues sitting around. On the history thing, I did tell you I've been reading the Mary Shelley biography. If you think you're goth, you're not as goth as Mary Shelley, <laughs> who lost her virginity on her mother's grave. What? <laughs> oh my god! Is this an autobiography? <laughs> No, no. <laughs> we, we, we're taking this as fact and not a tall tale. Well, it's the the book kind of goes like, look, Mary and Percy used to go to the cemetery where her mother was buried all the time. Oh, and so her, it's like inferred. Basically. Yeah, her half and her her stepsister would go with them and then take a walk. <laughs> and and then they're like you know like and then at some point like percy shelley wrote in his journal that like he had been like reborn and they're like we're pretty sure he got laid (laughs) so wait is percy her brother her 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 husband husband. she's mary wollstonecraft godwin okay but we we know her as mary shelley like it's if i were to say mary wollstonecraft godwin great great episode of history by the way watch are you afraid of the drunk and they 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 go through the uh the history of how mary shelley did frankenstein 
There was an orgy involved. Yes, there was. <laughs> a fun one. Yeah, I've, t- I've taken this family-friendly podcast and just taken it in a it's, whole it, new direction. Well, listen, it's fine. Brent was talking about BDSM comics. We're good. <laughs> yes. It's my fault first. <laughs> it is an R-rated movie, okay? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I also have the Badass Broads, which is sort of a comic, but just like more like an illustrative. I haven't read that one yet okay. either. So get me on another podcast and I will tell you about all the wonderful books I've read. Oh, man. Oh, I, I did I did pick up a copy of Crowded uh, in uh, in trade paperback. I have the first six issues uh, uh, on uh, digital, but I'm looking forward to reading the last like three I haven't read yet uh, with it in my hands. And that'll be good. And I got the Luke Cage series that was originally digital only that they released as a trade, just because it sounds cool. Uh, it's about uh, Luke dealing with the fact that like he's he's got a disorder that's actually killing him from the inside out, basically. Uh, that uh, you know, even though he's he's still you know strong on the outside, he's actually you know dying on the inside and uh, needs to find a way to you know stop that from happening. So pretty sounds pretty interesting. Uh, Raph, you got anything? Uh, I'm catching up on Jason Aaron Avengers, uh, and uh, I'm reading the Critical Role Dark Horse series. But that's I'm so behind on so m- I am sh- like if if Raph from ten years ago could see my my backlog, he would be so like shocked. I, I feel like you and Murd have to team up for a Time Bubble episode. I'm beginning to get to Murd. I have three short boxes that I have to catch up on. Oh Christ. And it's because I keep no. It's because I keep buying like like dollar comics and, and I get sentimental. I go, oh look, I've always wanted to read that. And blah, blah blah. Yeah, whatever. Stop it. Yeah, that's why I stopped doing that because I was. Yeah, I know. I gotta stop it too. I'm you terrible. are. Um, and I will mention uh, that I uh, got rid of almost all of my single issues of comics. I donated them to the Housing Works bookstore uh, in New York City. Uh, so if uh, any of you guys live in the New York area and are looking for a place to uh, donate your books or comic books uh that's a good place to do it uh and you can write it off on your taxes after the fact so it's uh you know you're helping you're helping out uh, the bookstore and they they get to they get to keep running for uh, for charity and everything and yeah they raise money for homeless causes and aids yeah so I, i basically see them as like uh salvation army without the homophobia basically yep yeah not bad yep so good stuff all around so if we find a comic from 2001 to at least, what, 2006, and we smell it, and it smells like a small New York apartment. Mm-hmm. It, with, it, it might be mine. Yeah, It might be yours. Yeah, that's possible. It's certainly possible. My apartment is not small. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the closet when he lived in it with his parents. Oh, no, the, oh, the Harry Potter room. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, one, that one still, most of the stuff is in there, man. And eventually that shit's going to be donated too. And that's going to be, that's going to smell like an old apartment. I'll tell you that much. That much is going to happen. <laughs> a lot of them are, a lot of them don't even have backing boards, but uh, they're, they're still in pretty good condition. I went and checked them last time. Whole bunch of issues of Peter David's Captain Marvel. Good stuff. I'm not letting go of any of my my, my late '90s stuff. I've, I I got those back from my my uncle a couple of weeks ago. You and fucking electric mm-hmm. blue. I love them. I love them. I, that's actually what I've been reading. Is I've been reading the stuff that I started that I started reading when I first started collecting, which is like you know Ron Mart's Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. I just reread. I just reread the the issue where uh, Kyle meets Hal. See, you, you, oh my god, that was the first, I think that was the first issue that I picked up of Green Lantern. What is that, That was like 75? 
That's a hundred. Yeah. Okay. No, seventy five. Seventy five. No, is it a hundred? I think it was a hundred. Uh, I started in the eighties, so or not, I think eighty nine is when I started. Yeah. So. It shows up in fifty three or fifty four or something like that. Fifty five. Okay. I, I, yeah, I, I, like, I bought yeah. that comic from a drugstore uh, in on Queens Boulevard in, in uh, when I was still working for my dad on Sundays. Like I I, I remember that vividly. So that's uh, there was also a comic shop across the street on Queens Boulevard that, that that I bought a couple of things at, but I definitely bought that one there, along with Zero Hour Number Zero. Yeah, my first comic shop's a hipster bar. Nice. Oh well. <laughs> yeah, well. All right, I think we can wrap it up. But uh, yeah, Chris, thanks for coming on. Uh, where can they? Where can the people find your stuff? Well, I am at Lamp Bane or at Chris Nautis on Twitter. You know, one one is one is pleasure, one is business. So one will be just me bitching about anime and comics, and the other one will be be bitching about tech. Yep. Uh, yes, you could go to engadget.com and uh, read read my piece about Alex Garland's new show coming out next year. Devs. Yeah, the the fact that that, that you got to see the first episode and we can't see it till spring. Really, you see the whole thing. It was just a chunk of it. I know it, it could change. That's true. They That's could true. they could edit it and ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> I got to meet Allison Pill <sighs> yep. from Sex Bomb Bomb. Yep, <laughs> the very so sad from Newsroom. Yep, I like the Newsroom. Me too. I don't know if anyone else does. I, <laughs> I like Newsroom. Newsroom was Newsroom. Olivia Munn. Yeah, well, News- Allison Pill. Newsroom was pretty Kinda decent when it was it. on. Yeah, the guy from. Uh, What's it? Gallagher, John Gallagher is his name. Yeah, Jeff Daniels, yeah. man. Come Jeff on, Jeff Daniels. Yep. Jeff Patel was in it, right? Yes, he was. Yes, he was very good in that show. It had a great cast, and frankly, if it had continued to d- to today's world, I can only imagine where that show would have went. Oh man, yeah. Like uh, it's th- so good. He's even talked about bringing it back a couple times, like like thinking that uh, you know it might be time to like maybe do a few specials in the world. But uh, I, who who the hell knows? Raph, where can they find you? All my socials are at Raph Does Stuff, R-A-P-H-D-O-E-S-S-T-U-F-F. I'm also producing a D&D live stream called The Natural Ones. It's natu- it's uh, twitch.tv slash natural underscore ones underscore. That's on Wednesdays at 8, uh, but the VOD should be up like the day after. So then, I don't play, not yet at least. Yeah. But Do I, all of the I characters just have skills of one. No, but they roll out of ones, and I play the wah, 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 wah a lot. So if you ever hear that sound, if you were watching, you hear that sound, that's me. That I, I, I can, I now have that embedded in my head. Thank you. Yeah, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. I'll do it for our game. I don't give a shit. Yep. Casina, tell them where they can find your ass. You can find me on YouTube as BK's Bullets. Mm-hmm. You can find me on Facebook as BK's Bullets. And you can find me operating the Comic Timing podcast page sometimes, too. Yes, that is true. And you're at Casina B when you remember Twitter exists. Usually my Twitter's like retweets and stuff. Yeah, I know. You usually just retweet when the episode comes out. Retweets are not endorsements. I do retweets more than that. That's true. All right. Well, you can find me uh, at I am sci-fi with underscores. I underscore am underscore sci-fi. Uh, find me over at Comic Geek Speak at ComicGeekSpeak.com. Uh, I'm going to promote an episode I was not on. Uh, the, the the most recent uh, Crisis Tapes episode just came out. And you want to talk about nerdery, okay? You want to talk about nerdery. This entire three-hour episode 
is all about the cover to Crisis on Infinite Earths number five. They go through every character that is on that cover and the history behind it. Three hours long, Peter Rios and Adam Murdo. I didn't need to listen to that. What was the last one they did like that? Was that the JLA Avengers um, cover? Yeah, I think I think that I think that was the last one that that, that went this way. Yeah, they, they've done a couple of covers over the years, but that was definitely one of them. Yeah, eventually I'm sure they'll probably do the Alex Ross uh, wraparound. And that'll take forever. I remember when they started that. God, I remember what. Oh God, it's been so long. We're so old, guys. I know. We, we did. We did do a, uh, a retro movie review for Spider-Man 2002 recently as well. Uh, that was that was pretty good. Uh, so you need to get me on for Spider-Man 3. I will let you know when that happens, and we will dance down the sidewalk in Manhattan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, check it. Check us out at comicgeeksgeek.com if you are interested. And uh, that is that with that. Uh, the email address for Comic Timing is comictiming at gmail.com. Check us out at Facebook at facebook.com slash comictiming, where you can see Brent and myself being opinionated like we tend to do. And we're proud members of the Comics Podcast Network over comicspodcast.com and the League of Comic Book Podcasts over comicbooknoise.com slash league. So for Chris, for Rap, for Brent, and for Todd Phillips... I'm Ian Levisey, reminding everybody out there, out there that there's always time for comics. Nothing's funny anymore. Everything sucks. You're not funny. <laughs> you get what you fucking deserve. <laughs> uh... Good times, gentlemen. And lady. I'm not a lady. Good time, gentlemen and Chris. Yes, I'm an amorphous blob of gender. I was gonna say, what the fuck are we? <laughs> my, my gender is a, it's a fighter jet. <laughs> I fucking love that. Uh, whoever's doing that, stop. I can hear you. Oh, okay. Thank you. Uh, you monster. Sorry, uh, no, my thing came loose. Sharpening his pencil. Right.